welcome into hardcore Penn State football. Penn State hosting Maryland this weekend in the battle of who wants Chop Robinson more. We're going to have final thoughts on the Indiana game. Maddie Fresh will be our Big Ten guest picker of the week. He'll be joining us a little bit later. And then we'll get ourselves wrapped around the Maryland Terrapins and get some picks in towards the end. You're listening to Hardcore Penn State Football coming at you live in just one second. football i'm Corey listoki with me as always the great sean kane how you doing today sean happy hump day Corey. happy hump day how we doing today doing pretty good doing pretty good um do i have anything to really say about my personal life that's the real question um old co-workers were traveling last week and they were uh in brunswick georgia there's a really good craft brewery um not yeah brunswick yeah brunswick georgia there's a really good like craft brewery like growler factory is what it's called and they brought me back some beer so um looking forward maybe i'll open one of those tonight we'll see kind of where the night leads us so just, looking just drink it on the pot up. you know i was thinking about that but i don't want to get burpy so I, I, I get that i get i get burpy so stick into the old water for now. But um, yeah, man. Yeah, obviously election day came and went. Um, for obviously, yeah. that's that's good to see people. I saw the. I think there's. I don't know if it was record numbers, but I think people got out and did that. So that's that's good. Yeah, to a lot see. of people did. Um, what about you, Sean? Anything crazy going on? Nah, just voted yesterday, and you know, just trying. I was up until about two o'clock in the morning watching election returns and didn't get much sleep last night. So that, that was fun, but that's about it. Just one more reason why the central time zone is better. Oh, oh, for sure. For sure. And like, you needed one more reason. And I mean, I don't know there. And after like midnight 
there wasn't too much more. There wasn't too no, much news. no. They, they stopped. I mean, they all take. You know, they yeah. Most states, I don't know if all of them do, but some of them, most of them stopped for the night. So at some point, they just regurgitated. I mean, I guess yeah. We still don't know who won Alaska. either chamber. So yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's it's still up in the air, and it probably will be for a couple days. Yeah, I think in Alabama, I think like when one percent of the vote came in for Alabama, I think they called it for Alabama. Like, like they pretty much just made sure the votes, like a vote came in, and like okay, we're done. So, um, the, nobody's right. nobody's staying up late for Alabama because that, well, that's taken care of. Um, Penn State, Sean, we have. Um, I guess I can throw this the schedule up for today. Uh, have Maddie Fresh joining us in a little bit. To talk about uh, Penn State football is gonna be the Big Ten guest picker of the week, and uh, we gotta talk a little bit about, I guess, wrapping up on Indiana again. Apologize, of course. You finally have something that is is going well, and how I was editing the videos for the film breakdowns, and then of course, like there's an update on my computer and the program I was using, some janky like program that is super simple. Um, that is just all I use it for is just for that. And of course, um, they updated it and, and it wasn't working right. So didn't get the film breakdown done this week. Apologize for that. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll wrap up on some Indiana talk as well. Um, we yeah. forgive you. Yeah, it's OK. Hopefully it'll be figured out by next week. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I can download an older version. I don't know. But it was just it's been a busy week over here, Sean. I mean, it's been a. Uh, actually had to like work really hard so you know sometimes work hard stay. play hard yeah something like that but anyway show schedules up there on youtube if you're watching youtube if you're watching youtube please like the video subscribe to the channel i think this this episode maybe not as much since we're not going to have as much video clips since i wasn't able to edit those um i do think typically this episode the one that's in the middle of the week during the season is one worth watching on YouTube because you can see some of those plays and whatnot um, rather than just the podcast. But obviously if you're on listening on a podcast, we appreciate you just as much. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening. Uh, so yeah, we're going to talk PSU and the NFL, some final thoughts in Indiana. I think in about 25 minutes or so, we'll have Maddie fresh on here to uh, discuss the big 10 pick them. And we've got another five-star review, which we're getting close by the way. I think we're like seven away from hundred, hundred reviews. So that's, that's great. Uh, talk Maryland a little bit and we'll get into some fan questions some bold predictions not as many bold predictions this week uh some healthy fan questions came in late I don't know what Twitter does and I don't think this is like an Elon Musk thing I think this happened long before Elon but uh when I post like a a link or a like a, a video or something or maybe not a video but yeah maybe a video like a media thing it I don't feel like it doesn't get the same amount of traction as just a normal tweet I'm not really sure why like, I, I don't think it shows up on people's timelines as much for some right. reason. And I, I don't know if that's even true, but it just I get that vibe. So we got a lot of questions like last minute and I had already kind of put some of the show together. So um, apologize for that if we miss some of your questions because they're still rolling in. I'm like, well, it's like an hour to the show. I'm too late. Um, but we'll, we'll talk some of those and then we'll get into our predictions. So pretty, pretty healthy episode today, Sean. I'm ready to get into it. Um... Yeah, I'm going to blame Elon for the lack of questions. <laughs> uh, we will or, not be spending the $8 a month to get Penn, to get hardcore Penn State football verified, if anyone is curious. 
Yeah, I mean, richest guy in the world. I mean, wouldn't think he'd be charging to use his platform. Well, to get a little check mark next to the name. Seems like a bit of a scam to me. But I don't know. A lot of things are scams. But yeah, I, you know. <laughs> Who would have thought? You know, they, there's talk. They said that there might be some sort of paywall at some point, which I'm not sure what we would do because a lot of our following comes on Twitter. So that would really be kind of a kick to the nuts. But I guess we'll cross that road when we get there. We do have a Discord. People can join that. Um, but yeah, that would really stink because I don't know where we would go. But we'll figure that out if that happens. But anyway. Yeah, cross that bridge when we get to it. Uh, Penn State in the NFL. A lot of Penn State players are on buys this week, which I didn't realize until I started doing the research. Michael Parsons on a buy, Saquon Barkley on a buy. Uh, there's more than that, but those are off the top of my head. Um, yeah, a lot of teams had buys this week. I didn't. I, I was actually surprised by it. Yeah, yeah. So um, not as many. Well, I mean, there's still a full page, but not as many crazy ones. I wanted to highlight Ryan. I put Ryan Pates. Now I just realized. Um, Ryan Bates, eighth start, had a fumble recovery as well. Blake Gillikin, five punts, 232 yards. I think he had two inside the 20. Jordan Stout also had four punts. They actually faced each other. Uh, 193 yards, two inside the 20 for him. Donovan Smith had his seventh start of the year at offensive tackle for the Bucks. Um, he got banged up in that one. Uh, in the Cowboys game early in the year. Miles Sanders on my fantasy team. I think he had like 90 yards for back-to-back weeks now, but gets in the end zone again for t- easiest touchdown he probably ever had in his NFL career, by the way. Um, Nick Scott, four tackles, one TFL. Allen Robinson, I didn't really highlight Allen Robinson because of like three catches, 24 yards, but the one catch, if you haven't seen the one catch, it was a really nice snag by him. And then Itor Gurosmatos, four tackles and a TFL. Uh, a couple other people had some tackles. Um, some people I saw Cabinda still banged up. I saw Dotson still banged up. Um, so there's still some, still some guy. I didn't. Do you know that Troy Apke was back with the the Commanders? No, I didn't. Yeah. So about that. Yeah, I I remember him killing the combine, but after that, I knew he stuck around there for a little while. But he got, I I believe he got cut. But I didn't know he came back. That's good for Troy. Great athlete. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed he didn't put Brisker and Gasicki on there, but Brisker actually tackled Gasicki. It was it was nuts. Um, but Mike didn't yeah. do too much else, I don't think. Yeah, I think Brisker only ended up with four tackles. Which, yeah. Which, I mean... He, he had a great shot at an interception, but Waddle just ran right in front of him out of nowhere. Um, but he played the ball, right? If he was a... I mean, he was in the right spot. If he was a little more aggressive going for the ball, he might have had a shot at it. But I was happy he didn't have that one. Yeah, there's your Dolphins update for the week. Um, yeah, I should try to get Mike Gusecki on my fantasy. I actually did get him. I got Mike Gusecki, but then someone just dropped Pat Fryermuth for some reason. And so I think I might do a swap to get Fryermuth. I actually already have Mark Andrews, but he's been banged up. So. Yeah, Andrews is the best guy to have. Fryermuth, I mean, the problem with him is he's quarterbacks. But yeah. Yeah, I know that's true, but I think he gets a little bit more volume than Kaseki, a little bit more. Yeah, I I would love to see him with a better QB because he had old Ben Roethlisberger and. That's a good point. He hasn't really had these guys. Yeah, do you think what's his face turns it around? Pickett. Yeah. I mean, you know, 
a lot of times with rookies, you want to see an it factor at least or some kind of spark or something to be excited about. I just don't know what Kenny Pickett does well. And I'm not just saying that because he's a pick guy and I'm a Penn State guy. I just don't really see it right now, but doesn't mean he can't develop into something. I feel like they already had a Kenny Pickett on their team with Mason Rudolph and they just drafted like another one of them. You know yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. That's actually a good copy. It's the same thing when Mason Rudolph was young. I just, I didn't really see it, see it from him. Even at Oklahoma state, I was like mm, big 12 quarterback, quarterback, friendly offense. Eh, I don't know, but it's the Steelers. So he'll probably end up working out. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was talking, you know, to some people, and the Steelers just haven't drafted as well as they have typically in the past. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, all right, well, let's let's talk final thoughts on the Penn State Indiana game. I don't, I didn't save as much room for this, maybe just fifteen minutes, because honestly, we talked a lot about it last on Sunday, last show on Sunday. But games like this, I I feel. It's a little dangerous to read too much into them, in my opinion, because a lot of good things happened. That's awesome. But as we've said many times on the show, you're not as good as you think you are when you win that bad, you know, by that much. And you're not as bad when you lose by that much. Um, So I don't want to go too deep into like, oh, well, that was, you know, I I think there were some things that are, I guess, worth mentioning again, that the offensive line really did crush it. Um, James Franklin thought they crushed it. Believe in the press conference, Franklin still said they're trying to maybe still redshirt Drew Shelton, and I'm just gonna have to play it by ear. It sounds like Caden Wallace might is hopeful to start um, this week. I think he's more more. I could probably put it probable at this point. He said Olu Fashionu is week to week, which in my opinion means he's probably doubtful for this week, and then. Uh, Landon Tangwa, uh, unfortunately, Franklin has announced that he is um, done for the season. So that that was unfortunate. Again, that was a non-contact injury before the Michigan game. And Franklin even said, like, we've got to make sure that stuff like that doesn't happen. Like, there's one thing that happens during a game freak accident. If that's something that we're doing warming up, that is unsafe. I, Whatever the heck happened, we've got to limit those things. So I didn't know it was not contact. That's scary. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, that was the uh, kind of the reason for all that. Yes, which me when I hear non-contact, I think ACL or some sort of knee injury because that's typically or Achilles. Yeah, yeah, and um, none of that's good. Yeah, Sean. What, 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 what? I guess what are your final thoughts on this Indiana game? Yeah, I mean, we really talked extensively about it on Sunday, but there's a lot to be excited about, and not just for next year, but for this year. And it seems like we're in a good spot to finish the year strong, but you have to just kind of harken back to that one and all mentality that Franklin hasn't preached as much this year, but I still think he believes in, and that's just getting it done and then moving on to the next game and focus all your um, and focus all your energy on Maryland. And then if you beat them, you focus all your energy on Rutgers. And I think they just got to keep doing that, take it week by week. And 
if you do that, if you take care, and another Joeism is if you take care of the little things, the big things will come. And I think that's got to be what their focus is. Um, and then I know Franklin talked about redshirting J.B. Nelson and Drew Shelton. Personally, I don't even think that's much of a concern. I, I, I don't think he should really be that concerned about redshirting Drew Shelton because if the guy's really good, and I think he has a chance to be really good, well, I don't want it to be like an Olu situation where there's a good chance we only have Olu fashion for about 10 games. And I don't really want that. So why not just play him? But that's just kind of an aside. But yeah, there are, but anyway, there were a lot of things that I think you have to be really excited about this week. And hopefully you can get it done against Corey Lestoki's Maryland Terrapins on Saturday. Man, you're going to grill me on that as, as much as you possibly can. You did, you did it to me about Michigan State, who looked pretty good last week, by the way. The whole, the whole thing started and ended when Maryland beat Michigan State, in my opinion. There's nothing else that can be done. Uh, nothing else can be done. It's already over. I got to I got to make up for it somehow. If Michigan State finishes above Maryland in the Big Ten East standings, then you can say yes. But that would probably mean Penn State has to lose to them. So yeah. Um, yeah no, like I that. think the whole Drew Shelton thing. I mean, look, the Olu fashion situation doesn't happen very often. So I, I I'm not too concerned as, as far as Drew Shelton like being three and done. I don't know the numbers, but I'm guessing the three and done does not happen very often with offensive linemen. I mean, maybe the top, top tier guys, but a lot of the time these guys are, when things were normal, at least before the all the culture ball turned upside down. I mean, usually the offensive linemen were at least four year guys. Some guys, most of the time, didn't even play until their red shirt. If they're lucky, they're redshirt sophomore year. Typically, they're redshirt junior year before they finally started. So, ah, it's hard because you know he looked good against Indiana. I get it, but it's also Indiana. And so, if he if he plays this week and looks good, then okay, we can start having maybe more of that conversation. But I guess, I guess my point is, you are finally uh, sort of seeing the depth that they have at the offensive line position. And I think it's smart to still play it safe because you know what it's like when you don't have the depth. So if you can find a way to keep his red shirt secure, you know, who knows what happens in three years from now, but at least it gives you that sort of opportunity if you need it down the road. And I think that's, I think that's why Franklin's viewing it the way he does. And, you know, they got guys that probably could play against Rutgers and be okay. And, honestly would probably benefit from the experiences as much. So um, I, I'd be interested to see how that all kind of goes down. Obviously yeah. one, you know, one injury away from things obviously changing drastically. Yeah. To me, if you want to take anything from the Indiana game and you're still taking it with a grain of salt, it's that the offensive line depth is a lot better than it's ever been. And we really didn't know what our depth was like going into Indiana. We could say, well, the recruit, the recruiting's been better the last couple of years and all that, but you don't know until they're on the field. And then against Indiana, they, I mean, they, they were masterful. I mean, that's really the only other way to put it. They were really, really good. Is it true that it's Indiana? Yeah. Would they have looked like that against Michigan or Iowa State? No. 
but it shows you the depth they have. And the, and there's a lot. And I, I think we have to mention Penn State for the first time. I guess we could talk about this too. Like, is it something to take from this past week? First time this year, there was somebody who announced they're coming back. That's Hunter Norzad. So Hunter Norzad had dra- is draft eligible this year, and he decided to he and he decided to come back. Now, what's so interesting about that? Well, usually when guys announce that they're coming back, it's when the regular season concludes. Norzad decided to go and announced that he was coming back. I mean, kind of out of the clear blue sky this Tuesday. So. I'm going to stew a little bit of speculation. Tells me they feel pretty darn good in that program about what we have coming back next year. And if guys are already deciding to come back, I mean, what's it going to be like at the end of the year? And maybe Norzad, that offensive line group is probably really tight. Maybe he's talking to Caden Wallace, who I think it would be very valuable if he came back. Maybe he's even talking to Olu Fashionow. So, and maybe it extends beyond the offensive line realm. So if they could get some of these borderline draft guys to come back, and I I don't know who's coming back or not. I have no idea. But they could get some of them or a majority of them. That's going to do, that's going to, that's going to pay off in such a big way for this team next year. And it could, and it could be the reason why, we're expect it could be a big part of the reason why we're expected to do big things next year. Yeah, I'd throw Juice Scruggs into that too. I don't know if you said. Ah, I Juice. forgot about Juice. I forgot Juice could come back. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that's a good point. Uh. He started. He was actually interviewed that Tuesday that it was announced, and he was like, "Look, I wasn't a hard decision for me." didn't really want to be asked about it very much anymore. Just kind of, you know, that was, you know, and, and I think the thing he said that was most interesting was, you know, I have expectations for myself and for this team. And I think that was like, hmm, what does that exactly mean? So that, that, that's cool. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, the teams that are able to bring back just a little bit of the talent and have that balance between old school and new school, it goes a long way. So, I mean, it's exciting. And if there's one position you want to bring guys back, it's offensive line. So, uh, especially in Penn State situation, so that that's huge, and it is early. I I wouldn't put too much into like, oh, does that mean everyone's gonna come in early? But it's not a bad thing for someone to do that that soon. I mean, you don't do it that soon if things are in a bad situation. I guess is the easiest way to say it. So yeah, that was good. Um, we talked a lot about the off the running backs. Um, I feel like we've talked a lot about the receivers lately too. I'm just curious, Sean, like. Do we see more like more of a rotation? Because we still didn't really see much of it. I mean, towards the end, we saw Liam Clifford get in a little bit, um, but a lot of the younger guys still haven't played very much. Uh, Caden Saunders hasn't played very much, but really none of the receivers besides Amari Evans uh, have played any sort of decent role. Is Malik Mega? Is he like just is he a hundred percent transfer after the end of the year at this point? So I'm just curious. I guess moving out of the Indiana game. And that was on the road, so who knows, you know, as far as depth that they could have provided. But now at home, maybe do we see a little bit more of that rotation in, in the third or fourth quarter if Penn State has the game in hand? Yeah, that's a good point. 
Um, and we kind of, we talked extensively in the summer about, well, there's a lot more depth here than there was than there was last year and the year before. And I do think there is more depth, but I think we kind of overestimated how much depth there's, there, there was going to be. We talked quite a bit about Caden Saunders. Caden Saunders, we haven't seen him since September. Um, and Malik Mega, like you said, he's a gunner on special teams, but that's really the only place I see him. I never see him on offense. And you're just like, this is it. <laughs> we, we still play like the same three or four guys. I mean, it, it's very surprising that that there aren't more guys in, but I do think by the, I, I think with the, with the stretch coming up, you have a chance to probably blow out two of these three teams. You have a chance. I'm not saying it will happen. But you have a chance and maybe get some, get some guys in, uh, in with, in big 10 play and be able to preserve a few red shirts. I think Caden Saunders has played and correct me if I'm wrong, Corey, two games. And I think I it think, may just be one. I'm not oh, 100% wow. sure. Might yeah. just be one. Yeah, I didn't know if he played. I, I remember him playing against Ohio or Central Michigan. I don't know if he played. I don't know if he played both. So, and I haven't seen Jaden Dot in a while, but I don't know if he's been hurt or what's been happening. So it's been, it's been an experience at receiver. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, yeah, and we can. We can finish that conversation up in a little bit. Um, listen, we have Dorito on YouTube. He says, I need to hear Clifford to Clifford for a touchdown just once. I might have to hold your breath a little bit there. Um, oh, Liam's, Liam's been getting touches. Yeah, yeah, he has. But, yeah, we'll have to, I guess, see if, if that's going to be enough. It looks like I have frozen on my cam. Yeah. You just like you just like that angle for yourself, Corey? No, not at all. <laughs> not one bit. Let me see if I can get that cleared up. We do have uh, Maddie Fresh joining us now. Maddie, can you hear us? How's it going, dude? Yeah, I think I got you guys. You guys have me. Yep, we can yeah, hear you. I can hear you great. It's How great. are you doing, man? Good, man. Just enjoying some uh, Wednesday night action. Happy to hop on here with you boys and talk some football. Who's playing? Uh, we had three games on at the same time. Um, the one I was looking at was Buffalo against uh, – Buffalo was playing Central Michigan. Uh, it looks like a better Central Michigan team than uh, Penn State faced off against earlier in September. That's kind of encouraging, I think, because Penn State struggled against Central Michigan for a little bit. But, I mean, the game – Ohio, really Ohio looked good out. last night, too. So Yeah, was, Ohio's got a good team. Yeah, good passing been, attack there. Yeah, I've been very impressed with them after our game. So that's looking like a pretty quality win. So, um, you know, Maddie, crazy thing is, at almost every tailgate I'm at, I hear a song by you. And <laughs> that must be, did you hear at different tailgates, do you just hear, like if you're just walking through the Be- the Beaver Stadium lots, you just hear the Trace McSorley song or the Saquon Barkley song, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah, so believe it or not, um, that's, been, that's been pretty common uh, since, like, 2017, 2018 to hear either the Trace or Saquon songs, which is cool. I like to get it on people's game day playlists and everything. 
coolest okay. thing ever was a couple of years ago. I think it was actually I guess last season. Um, walking through the tailgate lots on my way to the stadium, and I heard uh, "Back in My Seats" playing, which is one of my songs that kind of flew under the radar. And oh, I had to walk. I had to, I had to walk over because I was like, um, I had never heard that one playing at a tailgate. So that was a really cool moment to know that it's not just the the ones that have been a little more popular for me, but people seem to have that kind of game day theme and throw my entire catalog on their playlist. So that was cool. It, it definitely is a humbling moment to have that kind of stuff happen. Yeah. I got to imagine if they find some of your songs catchy than the Penn state themed songs, I mean, it's going to get, it's going to get a bigger traction for the, for the rest of your music. Um, and then I loved, loved, loved the Jahan Dodson song. I kept, I, I actually, when I was going to the Penn state Michigan game last year, I actually woke my brothers up at 5.30 in the morning just blasting that song. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. It's actually the one-year anniversary today. Oh, so nice. Happy anniversary on that. Time flies. I can't believe that. And here we go again against Maryland, right? The, the little backstory that not a lot of people know about that song is that song was ready to go for many weeks. Uh, really? Prob- probably as early as end of September. And Penn State had what, three losses in a row, and I was not dropping that song after a loss. Um, <laughs> so we're sitting there, and he's got, like, you know, 250 receiving, close to the school record, a couple touchdowns, and I'm just thinking, thank you, because I, I was worried that we may not get that song out. We may not have – because that's all based on the moment, and you can't just drop that song after a loss. So um, when Jahan went off and had his big game against Maryland last year, we actually had the perfect time to put it out a little late in the season, but better late than never. Yeah. I remember you dropping the Saquon song right before the Ohio state game. I think Fox played it before on, on pregame. If I don't, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the coolest things, um, that ever kind of happened. And, uh, the whole big picture is they had a interview with Bruce Feldman and Saquon and he was, uh, it was a feature story in the pregame. And uh, they used the song and that ended up being, I think, one of the highest watched games of that year or maybe any sport that year. So that was that was really cool. To have. Yeah, yeah, I it's it's one of the few parts of that game that I remember fondly because the rest of it is <laughs> we look good in the first half and then felt like we got our rivers lip, rip, uh, ripped out of us in the second half. So, I mean, yeah. it was a rough one. So what do you think about the team this year? I, I, I've probably been a little biased, I'll admit, but I think this is a top 10 team in the country. Uh, I've said on other podcasts, this is um, probably six or seven teams in the country that I think could actually beat this team. And two of them did. Um, I think that this is one of the better iterations of talent that we've had. and. Um, I do. I think that coming up maybe just short against Ohio State, maybe a lot of people think that it was more lopsided. I think that it was a lot closer than people think. And um, beating the teams that you're supposed to beat, like a Minnesota, like Indiana, in the fashion that they have, has been really encouraging. I think they're going to do that in these last two games as well. And uh, I just, I do. I think that if you get an opportunity in New Year's Six Bowl to go up against a heavyweight, like a Clemson or like an Oregon or USC, 
uh, I think they'll have a really, really good chance to prove that, you know, this season was very similar to maybe what we got in 2019, just really good team with really, really tough circumstances, but yeah, absolutely night and day improved to what we saw last year. Yeah, there are definitely a lot of parallels between this team and the 2019 team. Um, So my co-host Corey has a superpower and that's being invisible, but he is here. So Corey, are you here with us? Yeah, I'm alive. I'm not sure what happened, but the the cam has has gone down the the backup cam has gone down but yeah i mean maddie what i wanted to ask you about was uh, you've been a little bit more i guess on the clifford train than a lot of other people and that includes us um what at this point in the season where are your thoughts where do where do you stand as far as I mean, Clifford is like 16 yards away from from taking Trace McSorley's school record for passing yards. He's like 150 yards away from 10,000 passing yards in his career. Uh, do you do you want to see the switch happen as soon as that happens? Do you want Clifford to finish out the season? Do where, where do you stand right now? Uh, I'm cool with what the coaches have done. I think that if we get up in a game against Maryland uh, by you know three or four scores, you throw Drew in. Uh, treat Michigan State the same way. Now, I respect those opponents. I don't know if we're going to be able to dominate the way we did against Indiana. I do have faith that they'll cover the spreads in both those games. I don't know if it's going to be out of <clears throat> out of hand like the way Indiana got, where you'd have a you know really clear opportunity to play Drew. But yeah, I'm cool with the the staff, the co- or the coaching staff, what they've developed when it comes to juggling these two. And uh, yeah, this is this is Sean's team. I think that. Um, you mentioned, you know, being on the Clifford train. I, I wasn't back in 2020. Uh, I was very critical of him. And uh, obviously he comes out and makes the comment that he understands the criticism. I, I was right there in 2020 and at times last year as well. Um, I'm also a sucker for people who commit to this program and give everything they have to this university and this this program and this team. And I think Clifford's a uh, representation of that. And he is what Penn State should be from a perspective of loyalty. And that's a big thing for me. And um, there's not too much that he can do on the field these last three games that's going to ever change my opinion of him, um, good or bad. And I think a lot of people probably can relate to that. You know, he is what he is. Um, and in my book, he's just always going to go down as a guy who who gave everything he had. And he was, you know, couldn't win the big game, but was also very loyal to the school and um, was a great leader for us. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I, I really agree with, you know, his legacy is kind of set for whatever people think it is, for better or worse. That it is what it is at this point. Uh, what have you seen from Drew Aller so far? How I guess hyped are you? How excited are you? I mean, it's a lot of you know a lot of pressure that people are already putting on him. But I mean, if if this is supposed to be the guy to maybe take that next step. We've seen him do some pretty good things. We've seen him flash a couple times. I guess looking at, you know, just, just peeking ahead a little bit. I mean, what has you excited for 2023? Not just a lot of pressure on Drew, guys. A lot of pressure on me. Uh, the DMs are filled every day. When's that? When's the Aller song coming? Uh, <laughs> all the time. I got an email yesterday. Very passionate email from somebody who explained their case for why drew aller should have a song uh so yeah it's a lot of pressure i have a reminder in my phone for next august just in case i forget but uh yeah it's a possibility i mean obviously 
a lot to get excited about. I was thinking kind of position by position next year, because obviously you need more than just the quarterback, but everything looks good. I mean, you're going to have a lot of starters back on the O-line. I was very encouraged last week with what I saw from some of the backups on the O-line. Um, some stud recruits coming in in the next class. And, you know, you're going to lose Washington and Tinsley, but you have some depth at receiver. Tight end should be back. Um, I think he's going to have just as many weapons um, as anybody else in the country in his position would have, especially with the running backs. So, yeah, with what he has around him, plus the skill that he's shown us, uh, give him a spring ball and a camp and, and, and cut him loose. Now, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I assume Franklin will say it's a quarterback competition, as he usually does with a first-year starter. Uh, so I don't think he's just going to hand him the keys. I think Fabiola uh, and maybe Veyer, depending on what he does, is going to have a chance at the job. But you would think it's going to go to Drew. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I think the schedule is um, favorable next year with uh, having Michigan at home. And uh, obviously not a huge non-conference game. I mean, West Virginia is big, but they are kind of on the down and uh, might have a new coach next year. So, yeah, I don't know. I think with the offense, with all the returning talent, we have a real good shot next year at uh, continuing the success. Yeah, that's for sure. Is it, yeah. is it difficult to, uh, I guess, live up to that hype for as far as the Drew Aller song goes? I mean, is that something that's like, okay, well, I guess I have to do that now. And how are you, how are you balancing, I guess, just being the Penn State song guy and and trying to still do your own stuff at the same time is is i'm imagine that's that's difficult for you yeah i've I've obviously had the thought of like oh you don't want to sell out and you don't want to you know just do this to do it but on the other hand like if i have a ton of fans that want to hear this stuff why wouldn't i you know so it's it's kind of an ego check where it's like oh you you know you don't want to just do this stuff just because and but this is what people want you know i i get a ton of messages about even players that aren't Penn State constantly. So um, obviously there's a balance there. Uh, Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley and Jahan Dotson are legend category. Uh, We're talking about a quarterback who hasn't started a game yet. So um, there'll definitely be some thoughts going into it and we'll see what happens. But uh, anybody on this roster has the opportunity. It's not just Drew. Um, In fact, I've kind of something I've always wanted to do is make a song about just like a moment in the season or a team. That's something I really haven't got to do yet. I was hoping maybe this year, if we pulled it out (laughs) against Ohio state, um, that it would be cool to kind of make just like a whole big picture song about a moment or a team. But yeah, I mean, it's obviously you got to get to a certain level to be able to have enough content to even put in this song. And he doesn't have that yet. So, um, We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how, how quickly things uh, progress with Drew Allen. Is there anybody you're eyeing up right now, or do you would not want to reveal that information? I think Kate John Allen would be sick, right? Um, he has a good name for it, too. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You see, there's a lot more that goes into yeah. this than just, like, stuff on the field. Um, or, like, a little, maybe, like, a two-headed monster thing with Allen Singleton, depending on what happens. I still think that um, – I'm I'm just a little worried about what might happen with the both of them next year when it comes to, are you going to be able to feed both of them and keep them both happy? Um, I think that our staff and our NIL initiative will be good enough to have them both be satisfied. But, you know, I, I think that 
re-recruiting your roster this offseason is going to be just as important as recruiting high school kids. Um, you know, you have to make an effort now to put just as much into getting people on your team to stay as you do getting new players. So um, I think that other coaches and are going to definitely show some interest in a guy like Allen or Singleton and say, hey, instead of, you know, using that carry share that you got or letting one guy um, jump you in the depth chart, why not come here? You can be running back one from day one and you're going to be the guy and you'll get the ball. So um, what they've done this year, I think is really key to keep them both happy. I think that they're pretty much dead even when it comes to the carry share. So um, that needs to continue because you don't want to lose one of those guys. You need to have both going into the next two years. Yeah, absolutely. And I think trying to keep everybody happy, like that's kind of the name of the game right now in college football. And when you have two studs like that, who probably two of, especially next, when we go into next year, they're going to be two of the top five or six guys in the conference. And yeah, so you have to be able to keep them happy. But I think if they have NFL aspirations, it's probably going to be more beneficial for them to just to split carries. Yeah, I would so think that too. That yeah, I would think that too. But I always try to kind of get myself in the mindset of a player. And I think every player, they just want to compete and they want to be on the field as much as possible. And I understand that they're probably right. hearing a lot from like their agents and, you know, people who have more experience than they do saying, this is what you want. And that's obviously correct that they're going to have a way better chance um, to limit injuries and limit the workload with load management if they um, get the carry share, but you know, these guys, they want to play every snap. Um, and who knows if a, you know, an opportunity comes along for one of them to get 30 carries a game, what's going to go into that decision. And again, not questioning their loyalty at all. I, I don't think that either of these guys is even considering that at this point, but I'm just saying like, what kind of effort are we going to have from NIL and the staff to keep these guys happy? That's going to be important, just as important as it is to, like I said, recruit for the future. Yeah, if that were to happen, if they if Penn State were to lose a superstar player or a potential superstar player to the portal, I mean that would be a deep indictment on this on the on both the staff but also the NIL and not being able mm -hmm. to have enough to make sure that everybody could be somewhat happy and stick around. Yeah, and you have to wonder like, you know, you, I think we're going to keep all the stars, but you have guys like Kevon Lee and sure. uh, maybe even like Christian Veyer who may just yeah. get lost in the shuffle and we'll have to yeah. see what happens with those guys. Yeah. And I mean, that's going to happen. Uh, Christian Veyer is good enough. I believe I'm a big fan of his. He's, he's good enough to play on maybe half the teams in the big 10. Like it, it's so he's a, he should be a power five star. So I wouldn't blame him at all if he left. Uh, but if you're going to lose a guy, if, if you, if you lose one of your main contributors, I mean, that, that just can't happen. Not at Penn state, but you know, we don't want to worry about that yet. <laughs> right. Good vibes. Yeah. Only. I think, I think the running back situation will be interesting too, because London Montgomery will be, you know, still rehabbing from a knee injury potentially into the summer. So I think that is an interesting kind of conversation to have at some point. If, if Kevon Lee decides to, you know, test the water and, and look somewhere else. So, um, that should be interesting. I, I guess we can head right into the Big Ten Pick'em here. And uh, just for everyone that hasn't yet, make sure you do your Pick'em. That's 
on Twitter right now, hardcore PSUFB. Uh, Maddie, how it works, you get one point for every game that you guess correctly outright. We're not doing spreads. And then you can double down on one game, and you'll get two points instead of one for that game, and you can choose any game you want, which um, the Ohio State-Indiana game looks very enticing. Uh, anywho, uh, again, maybe next year we'll try to limit where you can actually double down. But we're not doing that yet. Uh, PSU Analytics, Nate from PSU Analytics, was perfect a couple weeks, two weeks oh. ago. And and so he that is kind of the goal, or I guess the uh, – the expectation for our guests now. No, I mean, it, it was a hell of a week for, by him. Uh, but we've had, like, I think, what, maybe three or four people now, Sean, and, and plus 80% or so. So, um, yeah. Uh, I think I want to say uh, Paul Clifford, CEO of the Alumni Association, I think he's in second. I think he's technically tied with Audrey Snyder. So, um, th- those are your top three that you're aiming for. Yeah, I've been on Nate's show before. So, Coming for the yeah, title. That, that's you have, uh, I think, don't you have an intro to the to their show as well? Yeah, that's right. So that'll be a. I mean, if I can, if I can just do this outright and not against the spread, that's. Uh, I think, I think I got this. I think I'm coming for the top spot this week. Uh, I, I have faith. At this point in the season, we know enough. It might have been tough earlier in the year, but I think at this point in the season, we know enough. I should be able to nail all these, hopefully. Confidence, Sean. Confidence. We'll see. Uh, that's what I, mean, I say every week a, too, and then we just there's a lot of teams else. I just don't trust. That that's my issue. There's a lot yeah. of teams I don't trust, and there's a couple on here that I don't feel great about. But anywho, let's start with a Fox Noon kickoff, which is a terrible one in Indiana at Ohio State. Ohio State's favored by 40 points in this game. I don't know what the weather's supposed to be like, but I'm sure it's going to be better than it was when they played Northwestern. Uh, I'm assuming you're taking Indiana in this one. Yeah, saw good things out of uh, who was that Donovan? Uh, I forget his last name. The guy who came in late in the game against Penn State. I don't know who's who's supposed to start at quarterback for Indiana. Is Basilek back? Who knows? It, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, this is the actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm looking just at the the schedule this year for Ohio State. This is the. Uh, Highest they've been favored. They were favored by 39 against Rutgers. This is in conference play. Um, obviously, 44 and a half point favorite against Arkansas State earlier in the year, but in conference play, this is the highest they've been favored. Um, obviously, they went out right. Um, I would even probably take them to cover here. I like the over in that game as well. I think it's at 58 right now, but yeah, this is going to be uh, looking through the rest of the slate. That's going to be the double down, too. <laughs> so. I, I, I got to try to beat Nate at least. I hate to do that because it's the easy way out, but I, I want to try to at least tie or beat Nate. So, yeah, you know, Nate honestly w- will tell you that he had an easier week to pick games <laughs> too. So okay. he he wouldn't he wouldn't blame me for that at all. I don't think. Uh, but <laughs> this next one I think could could maybe make or break a couple uh, people's pick them this week, and that is Purdue at Illinois. This is I really the. Because Illinois lost to Michigan State, this this is a big game as far as the Big Ten West. Purdue can still win it if they get a win over Illinois, because Illinois has to go on the road at Michigan next week. So um, this is there's still uh, some chance for the Boilermakers to make up some ground, but they got to win this game. Illinois favored six and a half at home. Um, they, coming off of that awful game against Michigan State, where where's your head at on this one? Yeah, I think the wrong team's favored. I'm very confident in Purdue in this spot. Uh, I think 
I was actually going to play this on Monday or Tuesday, but the line kept moving in my way. It was actually at four to open now to six and a half. So I think, uh, I just think the wrong team's favorite. I think people have the wrong idea about this game. I think Illinois is in um, come back down to earth mode. Um, great story. Don't get me wrong. And and what Brett Bielema has done out there has been incredible. Um, and obviously a team who probably got a lot of their momentum from a win in happy Valley last year um, to be able to springboard them into this type of season, but Purdue's just a better football team. Uh, they laid an egg last week. Obviously, what did we see, guys, last week? The teams that run a spread offense and throw the ball 50 to 60 times a game in the Big Ten were terrible. Ohio State was terrible. Purdue was terrible. Nebraska was not good. All the teams that could run the ball, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, came out with wins. It was just a Big Ten weather day. I don't think you're going to get the same weather this weekend. Um, I look for Purdue to bounce back, and I look for them to win this game by two or three touchdowns. It's not going to be close. Holy smoke, Sean. Holy Are you that confident, bitch. Sean? I don't trust either of these teams that much. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm actually going to take Illinois, but only because they're the home team. And like I said, I, I don't trust either team. And that's, that, that, that's who I'm rolling. I'm just, I'm just going with the home team. And that's the only reason why. Because Maddie, I could easily see Maddie being correct. And Purdue just laying the wood to laying the wood to Illinois, but I don't know. Yeah, so I'll take I'll take the Illini. So last week I took Purdue to beat to beat Iowa, and I was like confident with it, right? I was feeling so good about it. I was like, oh yeah, don't worry, Purdue's gonna win this. And then yeah, they they did what you mentioned, um, pretty much nothing. I and Illinois got a good pass defense, and. Aiden O'Connell looked like a mediocre quarterback at best against Iowa. And I know Iowa's a good defense too, but I mean, I have no faith in Purdue. That was kind of like the last, I guess, the straw that broke the the camel's back for me. I I can't take Purdue. I'm going with Illinois as well. Illinois won us a couple. It's probably the reason why we're heading to pick them right now is because Sean and I have taken Illinois a couple times. Uh, I'm going to go with Illinois at home. I I think, yeah, you're right. You know, it could have been a game where maybe. They come back down to earth a little bit, but they can still run the ball. And Brett Bielema has been in a similar position before in his tenure. So I'm going to take Illinois. And I, yeah, I agree with Sean. I, I'm not that confident either way. Um, let's move to Rutgers, Michigan State. Michigan State's favored by nine and a half. This is also at noon on BTN. Both teams are four and five. So, I mean, Michigan State obviously a good win against Illinois on the road last week. If, if Rutgers can beat Michigan State, though, I mean, there's a chance Rutgers could finish above Michigan State in the Big Ten East, which <laughs> just kind of cracks me up. Um, let's go, Sean. Let's go, Sean, first on this one. Sean, where, where are you heading on this one? Tough coming. I got Sparty um, over the State University in New Jersey. Just think Michigan State might have found a little something, something last week. Maybe they did a, they're doing a little bit of a rally around the flag after the, uh, after the Michigan debacle. Um, and Rutgers is still just no bueno. And I like Greg Schiano, I do. But that is a tough, tough rebuild. And I kind of think they only have, that they might only have a 6-7 win max uh, year, um, year in and year out with that program. So I'm going to take Michigan State to, to win this one. Matty Fresh, are you going to the Spartans? What are you doing? Yeah, I like Sparty close. Um, 
I think it will be within a field goal. I kind of like the under in this game. I don't think there's going to be a lot of points. I was I was pretty high on Rutgers. They covered against Nebraska. They had their bye week and then won and covered against Indiana. You know, they were making me look really smart there for a little bit because I said that Rutgers would lose to Michigan last week, but it would be closer than people thought. And they were doing a really good job. And then they started turning the football over and it got out of hand so quickly. But for a minute there, it was looking like a good game. I was like, man, I'm a genius. But yeah, it didn't didn't continue to be that way. I really want to take Rutgers in this one. I really do. I think their defense is good enough to keep it close. I just have no confidence in their offense at all, even against a really bad defense in Michigan State. So um I kind of agree with what Sean said. Maybe they got a little bit of the momentum going. Maybe they got things heading in the right direction. It would be very Michigan State if they got it all figured out before they played us. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Sparty as well and, and just think in this situation, they they have the momentum, Rutgers doesn't, and they're at home. So uh, I'm going to go with Michigan State there. Heading into the afternoon games, Nebraska at Michigan. This is on ABC. Michigan is a 31-point favorite against the Cornhuskers. Nebraska loses this game. They are pretty much toast. As for, oh, I believe Maddie left. We have lost Maddie. I don't know if my camera is. Uh, he just he just messaged. He he's trying to get trying to get back up. Okay. I don't. Little just you're just a head now. You're just a little head. Yeah, I'm trying to get up there. Oh, I was thinking maybe my camera. Got you back? back but it, yeah, I back to there for a sec. Sorry, guys. Awesome. No problem. Good. No problem. Um, yeah, so uh, let's just go to that Cornhusker game, Michigan again. Thirty-one point favorites. If Nebraska loses this game, they are done out of bowl eligibility comp- uh, contention. They're at three and seven. Um, Do they still have a shot at the West? I don't think so. I don't even, think so. I, I think that finally them. ran out. <laughs> yeah, I think you get that fifth loss. I, I think they had a live. They were alive there for for a little right? bit. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. Um, Maddie Fresh, I think. I assume you're going to probably go with the Wolverines in this one. Yeah, yeah, I think Michigan will try some things this week too. Uh, they got a pretty hard two game schedule: Illinois, Ohio State, to end it. So I think this is the game that um, they're going to try some things. And I don't think Nebraska has a chance. I think. Probably cover as well. I know it's a, it's a big spread, but yeah, no, Wolverines. Sean, I'm not going to ask. I'm just going to move on. Uh, Wisconsin at Iowa. Is this for? Is this? The, I don't remember what trophy. Is this for the Paul Bunyan or is this for a a pig? No, the pig is Minnesota. So this is this Mr. Paul Bunyan something maybe? Yeah, this is the axe. <laughs> Paul Bunyan's axe. axe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, five and four Wisconsin versus five and four Iowa. This game just has all the makings of a 6-3 game, in my opinion. Uh, Wisconsin's favored by a buck and a half. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if this game ended 2-0 and whoever picked Wisconsin to cover would get it right. Um, I guess I'll go first this time. I think Wisconsin's rolling right now. I think they had just enough on offense, and I think both defenses are uh, you know just as good as each other. And I, I really think this game could honestly be whoever scores a touchdown and, and doesn't turn the ball over is going to win. And so I'm going to say Wisconsin wins this one. I'm, I'm literally going to go 10-6 final. Uh, Maddie, what are you doing? Yeah, classic Big Ten football. Uh, it's going to be a treat to watch. Um, both these games, or both these teams, rather, won their last two. Uh, and I believe they both covered in their last two as well. So a little bit of a resurgence in uh, both of these programs. And 
I'm going to take Wisconsin to win this game. I think a lot of Braylon Allen, I like Wisconsin's running backs. I think that under Jim Leonard, they're really finding their identity. And not only is Wisconsin going to win this game, guys, this game is going to decide the Big Ten West. I don't think a lot of people realize that. I know you guys are taking Illinois this week, right? So you probably disagree. But Illinois may, <laughs> Illinois may lose their next two. So if you have that situation, we don't know if Wisconsin, Iowa may decide this division. I know Minnesota's in there as well. Um, and it's going to be competitive here down the stretch, but I do. I think Wisconsin wins this game and actually ends up in Indy at eight and four. Ooh, wow. You know, I was looking at the schedule. If Purdue beats Illinois, they're almost locked for the Big Ten West. I mean, they have they finish with Northwestern and Indiana. Yeah, but they can't win it because they lost to Wisconsin and Iowa. So if Wisconsin and mm-hmm. Iowa were or either one of those, whoever wins this game this weekend were to win out. Right. And they both have to saying. play Minnesota. So that's tough. Yeah, but I see what you're saying. They, Wisconsin actually controls their own destiny, which is wild. Right. Wow. Right. With an interim coach. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah. Um so. assuming, assuming, of course, Illinois loses to Michigan. Yeah. Right. right. That would be the yeah. Right. That's um, Sean, this is a tough yeah. one. I think the two games this week that could make people's pick-ems is this game and the game we had earlier. Where, where are you going? Well, everybody wants to see the Graham Mertz versus Spencer Petras matchup. <laughs> yeah. Um, but That's what people pay the money for, the big that's money. That's right. Worth the price of it, they are box office. Um, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Wisconsin. Uh it, and a lot of the reason, all three really of us be- are on Wisconsin. Jesus. Yeah, man. really because of what you know, what you guys said. Like Wisconsin, they just have that mojo right now. And even though, and I kind of talked about this last week, even though I like Paul Chris as a coach, I just kind of think they knew things had got had gotten a little stale. Jim Laird has just inspired. Uh, he's just brought a whole new life to this Wisconsin team right now. And Iowa just has a lot of trouble scoring. I don't like their run game as much as I like Wisconsin's. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the Badgers in this one. Yeah. We all were on Purdue to beat Iowa as well. So just want to remind you how that went down. Um, okay. Indiana at Michigan. Oh, I'm sorry. Whoa, 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 whoa. One week. There we go. Uh, Northwestern at Minnesota as the final game. If that was the best we saw in Northwestern, I don't really know what to expect in this one. Minnesota's favored by 17 and a half. This is on BTN in the afternoon. So no night games for the in the Big Ten tomorrow. Just FYI. I guess it's because we're in November now. But uh, if anyone was curious, no night games, no 4 o'clock, no 5 o'clock. Everything will be done before dinner time. Um, Matty Fresh. Golden Gophers could improve to seven and three, which is kind of crazy. I feel like that they don't seem like they're a seven and three team right now, but they're right there. Yeah, and it's funny you say. I, I think they're the worst six and three team in the country. I, I've been down on Minnesota all year. Um, Penn State, what was it? Minus five was a gift. It was like taking candy from a baby. I don't know what. I mean, everybody was so high on this team to start the year. They go out and lose the Purdue as a nine-point favorite. They lose the Illinois as a four-and-a-half-point favorite. They covered against Rutgers, but then they were 14-and-a-half-point favorites against Nebraska. They were down a half, and they had to rally. And actually, take or Tanner Morgan got hurt, but the backup actually leads them to that win. So 
This is a bad football team. It's too many points. I know Northwestern's terrible, but I think Minnesota's going to win this game, but Northwestern's going to cover, and Minnesota may lose out from there. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them seven and five. Honestly, it's it's just I don't think this is a good football team. Be like a be a collapse. I thought only James Franklin led teams collapse, but yeah, I mean, I'm curious too. Is PJ Flex seat start getting a little warm over there? Because I mean, they had some momentum obviously in 2019, and I don't know if you guys have noticed lately. And I know that you know you can't fire a coach that's at Minnesota that's giving you seven plus win season. I get all that, but um. Have you guys noticed, like, he looks like he's aged significantly in the last couple of years. Like, I've hardly recognized him. Uh, I guess that would have been three weeks ago. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, I think Minnesota wins. I was just curious. So they have – they play both of those. Yes, yeah, so they have Iowa, and they said they have – yeah, that, you're right. They probably don't win another game after this, which is kind of interesting. Um, Sean, you're going with Minnesota as well? Yeah, yeah, I think I think I got the Gophers in this one, mostly because Northwestern is so, so terrible. I mean, Maddie made a good point. Like, watching Minnesota, you just feel, like, if you watch two or three of their games, you're just like, this is a seven-win team. They're, they're not terrible. They do some good things, but you just walk, you, you always walk away feeling unimpressed. I think we'll walk away feeling unimpressed this week with them but it'll be enough to beat Northwestern. Yeah, that sounds about right. All right, well, that leaves one game. And that, of course, is Penn State's game hosting Maryland, 6-3 and three Maryland. Penn State is a 10-point favorite right now. I don't know if, if Higgins is watching, but Higgins, if you're watching, put some money on that for me. I think Penn State, um, feeling pretty good about that as far as maybe covering. I'd put my money on it. Not saying, you know, they're going to my prediction, but I think it's worth putting money on. Um, Maddie Fresh, floor is yours. Yeah, I think it's a good bet, Corey. I think I'm, I'm telling you there. I think Penn State, 3-0 and against the spread last three weeks. Um, it, it's been a good bet. I think Vegas is still a little underrated on the Nittany Lions. Um, and this number opened at 12 and then came down to 10, so you're getting a little bit of a gift there. Um, I, I just don't see much difference from Maryland last year to Maryland this year. And I think Penn state got better. So from what we saw last year, I know it was the Jahan Dodson show. I think this year could be the Mitchell Tinsley or Parker Washington show. I just think Maryland's past defense isn't good. Um, luckily they played their best game of the year against Michigan. So they got that out of their system. That was their absolute ceiling and a game that they might've won if they didn't have the ball bounce off the kick returners face mask on the opening kick. That could have been a huge upset, but I mean, Maryland, yeah, I, I think Tungavailoa is a little banged up. Um, obviously, he's gotten it out like his brother, but I think he's nowhere near 100%. And I, I just don't see this game with, like I said, Penn State getting better from last year. And, and Maryland, not, I, I don't think they've taken that next step up. Um, I see Penn State winning this game, you know, something in the round of 40 to 17. Uh, I don't think it'll be close. Okay, I'm writing you down 4017. Is that okay? Is that is that what you're thinking? Do you want to put a one or a two? 42, 41? You want to go right with 4017? Yeah, let, let's go. Uh, let's go, let's go, if you're making me do official, let's go 3817. A little more realistic. 38, 38 17. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. I hold you to a number and you bring it down a little bit. <laughs> no. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So maybe it was an easy pick for you. Um, I wasn't an easy pick for me, actually. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show. Um, because I'm, you know, that was easy for you. Are you feeling pretty good as far as Penn State finishing out the year undefeated? I mean, what what is the the Maddie fresh expectation for this team to end the year right now? Well, they're ten and two, but they're not they're not going to control their own destiny. They're they're going to finish the year top ten in the college football playoff rankings. In fact, they might get as high as eight um, because everybody else has to play each other um, or play tough games and, and ranked opponents where Penn State doesn't. And I, I think that. The tough part about it is I, I was pretty confident this team can get to the Rose Bowl if they went out. But upon further review, I, I don't know if that's the case because whatever shakes out in the Pac-12, I just think their champ might get in over whoever loses Ohio State-Michigan. So how do you get to the Rose Bowl if you don't have two Big Ten teams in the playoff? You just can't. Um, so Penn State fans really have to root against the Pac-12, root for them to all somehow beat each other and knock themselves out of the playoff. Because I think USC or Oregon, as a one-loss Pac-12 champs, getting in over uh, whoever loses, Ohio State, Michigan. I don't care how close it is. Um, so that that's all what if, obviously. But even if you don't get the Rose Bowl, I think the Orange Bowl would be an opportunity. Although, again, Alabama's right there. LSU's right there because it's you know not a guarantee that a Big Ten team would would go to the Orange Bowl. It could be SEC as well. And then you'd fall to the Cotton Bowl, which, again, would be <laughs> so ironic considering that's where Sean Clifford started his bowl journey. Um, and to have to go back possibly to Dallas uh, to probably play like Liberty or Tulane or something uh, would be interesting. But, yeah, yeah I think game between UCF and, and Tulane, the winner probably is going to be looking pretty good for that spot. Can Liberty can Liberty make a uh, can they get that auto bid as an independent? I always wondered that because they're looking. Yeah, good, right? I think now correct me if I'm wrong, Sean. Maybe you know this and I don't. I think Notre Dame can get it too. Can they not? Or are they not considered independent or not? They I might. think they could. I think uh, they could but too. yeah, I think it's just anybody who I don't not. think they're going to. But yeah. oh, I would love to play Notre Dame and beat the piss out of them, but I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, I don't think that's in the cards this year because no. they lost to Marshall. Yeah, they got to play USC too. Uh, yeah, I just think that I would love the Rose Bowl, right? That's the uh, that's the ceiling. I think that's that's what all of us hopefully would be looking for because that's the most prestigious bowl remaining outside of the playoff. But yeah, I think that either one of those three games, how could you call? I mean, that's that's awesome. Uh, to have to have an opportunity, and I, I do. I think Penn State will finish number eight or nine in that last ranking. So, how how can you keep them out of a New Year's Six Bowl? I think that the Indiana, Maryland, and Michigan State games are going to be three good pieces for the committee to say, "Wow, this team was really really good. They were underrated to start the year, right? That's a fact." Um, and I've been saying that since August. But yeah, I, I feel like to get to eight or nine in the ranking, you, you got to make a New Year's Six Bowl at that point. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, God, if if we win the New Year's Six Bowl and we're eight or nine, I mean, we're looking at a top six or seven finish this year, which would be amazing. Yeah, I, I would add to that too. I mean, I, I agree 100% with what you're saying as far as what you know, what situations looking better or worse. Um, Oregon still has to go on the road at Oregon State. USC, like you said, has Notre Dame. They also, you know, got UCLA, right? And then, uh, and then the Pac-12 just is taking the two best teams this year. 
So you could theoretically have one of them knock themselves out again at the end, which I think is kind of what they did a couple of years ago. So um, there's still some hope there. I am a firm believer living down here in the South, watching in God forsaken amount of SEC football that I would honestly at this point, I'll put it on record, I'll be surprised if LSU is able to go on the road and win at Arkansas and go on the road and win at Texas A&M. I'm not saying LSU is worse than either of those teams, um, but Arkansas is not an easy place to play, especially nowadays with Sam Pittman, what he's got going on there. And they desperately need a win. And same thing with Texas A&M, obviously. They're, they are in, like, desperation hunting dog mode, like, got to get a win. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think there's there's going to be, like you said, there's going to be people in front of Penn State that are going to fall. It's just going to be is it just going to be enough when it's all said and done? I think the Ole Miss, Ole Miss is an interesting team to watch and all that, too, because – they have Bama and they also have the Egg Bowl. So, I mean, a lot of you're like you said, a lot of teams have a lot harder games to finish out than Penn State. So it's exciting. And I always say when we start trying to figure out all the scenarios, this is the week where chaos probably happens. And everyone, everyone thought they figured out they actually didn't have anything figured out. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Yeah, I just hate the fact that I feel like USC is going to be in the playoff. Like, because wouldn't that be something like Lincoln Riley just right back where he always is? I mean, I, I feel like USC is a, a team that is going to get favorable. Um, you know, when it comes down to the top four, they're going to get the. Oh, yeah, they already have that. gotten some. They already have some love. I mean, they're at eight, and they have a worse resume technically than UCLA. That's at what eleven or twelve. So, I mean, yeah, it's already it's already happening. Yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't uh, be surprised, guys. If we're sitting here on New Year's Eve and watching like Georgia USC, and it's going to be like a rematch of that game in the Rose Bowl a few years ago when you had Kirby Smart against Lincoln Riley, and they they scored in overtime. Georgia scored in overtime to win. I just think that USC they can beat UCLA. They could probably beat Notre Dame, and then yeah, you're right. They'd probably have Utah. Um, the tough part about the whole Pac-12 thing is that Oregon's loss against Georgia, I think, is really going to screw them out of a lot of stuff because not only is it kind of holding them back in their ranking right now. But the Pac-12 tiebreaker is weird because, like you just said, about them taking the top two teams with no division, um, USC and Oregon don't play in the regular season. So that tiebreaker, if they both have a loss to Utah, that tiebreaker is going to come down to um, regular season record. And, and USC, you know, is going to have one loss versus Oregon's two, if, if that's the case. So it's tough. Oregon, Oregon honestly has a one-game season against Utah coming up here, just as big as, like, people are saying Ohio State-Michigan is a one-game season. Oregon has to beat Utah because if they don't, I don't think they can get to um, Vegas or wherever the Pac-12 title game is. So that's always going to be interesting, right, as is the Big 12. I, I don't have any faith in TCU. I think we're talking about LSU losing. I agree with you, Corey. I think they lose this week. Uh, well, you didn't say they lose, but I think they lose one of those games as well. And I think TCU probably loses the next two. So, you know, when I'm talking about Penn State being eight or nine, I'm not just guessing. Um, I'm looking at schedules and I'm saying, here's who's going to lose. TCU is going to lose. LSU is going to lose. Oregon's going to lose. Um, there's going to be quite a few teams that fall, as always, in, in the last few weeks of the season. I was just going to add at the end of that, if Oregon's able to beat Washington, who's technically 25th in the country right now, a surprising 7-2. and two. Like, I did not know Washington was 7-2. and two. If they're able to beat Washington, then beat Utah, then go on the road and beat a good Oregon State team, and then beat potentially USC. I really don't know how you don't forgive. I know it was a 46-point loss. I really don't know how you don't forgive that and you don't get them into the fourth spot. I would even probably put them in 
I know it sounds bad, but I'd probably put him in over Tennessee even. I, I think you'd have to put him in over a one-loss Ohio State or Michigan just because, again, if we were in that position, we would be barking until we, you know, our voices hurt that we deserve to get in over those guys because of the conference championship and showing that you were able to redeem that loss. And that was week one. I mean, not a lot of teams look good in week one. So, yeah, that will be an interesting one. I don't think it's going to be something we have to be worried about, but that would be an interesting conversation. But usually those things work themselves out. Um, Matty Fresh, dude, thank you for your time. Thank you for uh, coming on to the show. Uh, we really appreciate it. We're excited for some hopefully new music in, I guess, sooner than later. Um, I don't know if a, a 10 or 11 and 2 finish with a win in the Rose Bowl would be enough for that moment to get a song. Um, but uh, definitely excited for for whatever you have coming out soon. Where can people find you? Where can people listen? Um, plug yourself a little bit. Yeah, and I want to say first, Corey, I appreciate, you know, all that, you know, we've been able to do over the years, even back to our Penn State days. Sean, it was nice to talk to you as well. Um, always yes, good to get very nice. guys. I, I follow the podcast, and um, <laughs> I one thing I want to say I appreciate uh, the whoever runs the Twitter account, um, or whoever was running the Twitter account at the time where we were really going through it with the whole Clifford Aller sweepstakes. And uh, you know, when I was walking up to my seat in Beaver Stadium for the whiteout, and I'm hearing people boo Clifford on the intros, um, and I, you know, I came out and I just started exposing people and just making them apologize on Twitter. And I think one of the tweets that I made, um, <laughs> you guys, you guys supported me a little bit there, which helped. Uh, cause I didn't have too many people on my side. Uh, a lot of people that are in Clifford's corner, stay a little quiet where the other side's very vocal. So thank you for that. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Spotify, Apple music under Maddie fresh, um, under Twitter on Maddie fresh TV and Instagram, Maddie fresh tunes. Um, this football season has been fun. Obviously I think anybody would understand it. There's hasn't been a moment for a song yet, uh, but we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of season left and uh, this team can accomplish a lot and I can write fast. So that's just something to keep in mind. You never know what could happen. Are you teasing us with something? <laughs> oh, that was a little bit of a tease. That was a James It James would James. have to be a miracle, right? Like something would have to like be pretty wild. That would happen because you know, you're not going to get a song out of this. 38 to 17 went over Maryland. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe like a, like a Maryland diss track. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, I'd be they, all there. They that. probably deserve that over the years. You could just name all the players that we've recruited over the years that they didn't get. Yeah. I mean, I, I think some people actually, I had a couple of emails. People wanted me to do a Clifford diss track. Um, so sure. <laughs> oh my God. You see how bad this gets. Like, uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you never know something something seriously cool could happen at the end of the year with this bowl game and uh if it comes to me it comes to me so we'll see definitely heading into next year we have a lot of studs who uh are going to be in that that category that they could elevate themselves to uh being written about which is fun for me so sweet man well we appreciate your time you have a fantastic rest of your week yeah thanks guys we'll see you yeah thank you maddie so Sean, and I didn't, ex- ex- and, and Matt. By the way, you can leave, and, and it won't mess up the recording if you weren't sure. Um, it's the funniest thing. So, so I knew Maddie Fresh when we were in college together at Penn State, and one night, whatever, we went out partying, whatever, and I think my parents were there for that weekend, and. I think Maddie Fresh ended up sleeping on my couch or whatever. 
and my mom comes huh. downstairs and he like he looks a, a decent amount like my brother like same sort of hair and my mom is like an inch away from like I don't know, scaring him or shaking him or trying to like wake him up or something because she thought it was my brother. And I, I catch her like right before he and she's like, I I thought that was I thought that was your brother. So I don't even know if he knows that because he's still sleeping. But I was just <laughs> it's one of those moments where I was like, damn, that would have been that would have been something. My mom, I don't think he had a shirt on or anything, so she's just about to just you know grope a random man that's trying to sleep hungover. But, <laughs> but yeah, so. I, I knew Matt. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think if I knew him before. When did the Saquon Barkley song come out? That must have been 2017. 2017. I, yeah, I mean, we were, that was definitely going on still. And I was there. I, I guess I don't remember. That, that one came out in the, it came out in the summer, right? No, I, well, I don't know. It might have came out in the summer, but I remember it was featured right before the Ohio State That's game. Right. I thought it was right before the Ohio State game that it was released. I don't remember when it was released, but um, but yeah, so he's a cool dude. Definitely check him out. Uh, some of his other stuff, like non-Penn State stuff, is pretty good, too. So uh, appreciate his time. Um, he was confident with that Purdue pick. That's the only thing that really stuck out to me that I yeah. Really- think about for a little bit maybe not but you know what it's it's not like it's not like outlandish to imagine though because purdue is so unpredictable like there's good purdue and bad purdue and bad purdue is really really bad and good purdue is really really good so if anybody's gonna blow someone out in that game i have a feeling it would be purdue so yeah thank you again to maddie fresh for joining us and apologize on youtube for the when he joined, something happened in the Matrix, and it caused my camera to just completely. And that's the second time it's happened now, and I'm, I'm not really sure why. But uh, whatever, I'm back. I decided to give the old turn it off and turn it back on, and that did the trick, um, which it usually does. It's amazing how the American how, way. That's right. It really amazing how that works 90% of the time on like anything. Um, so we talked a little bit about uh, Indiana. I don't really have anything else to add to it, Sean. I don't know if you do. You're good. Okay, we're gonna move on from. Yeah, Indiana. we beat Indiana to death on the field too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, Pickham's done. Five star review time. Let's see. That's why you have to go to the the schedule. It keeps me on track a little bit better. Um. It should pop up for you guys in a second. But again, please drop a five star review on Apple Podcasts. We will read it on the show and we will send you a sticker. Please reach out to us if you have done a review. We've gotten a couple lately. And no one's reached out to us. Um, on Twitter or Facebook, you can email me at hardcorecfb at gmail too, um, and I'll get you that sticker, um, well-deserved sticker. So please consider doing that. Um, yeah, a five-star review on Apple or a five-star rating on Spotify. You just have to send us a screenshot that you did it because we don't always get to see that that actually gets done. Um, there it goes. So this is from Rye7725, and they say, Best PSU podcast, five stars. Love the long discussion before and after the games. I have some of the same opinions about Penn State football. Good to listen to. Keep up the great work. Tell the coaches to quit calling defensive timeouts on third and long. Dot, dot, dot. I love the ending of that, Sean. Me too, me too. I I, I, under, I understand that. I think 
Eason Point, and I love his first point. That's that we're the best PSU podcast. So yeah. really appreciate that, buddy. Yeah, I mean, I like that he said that they like the long discussions because we've had those conversations. Like, are we talking yes. too long? Are we? And, and like, look, this one's probably not going to be that long of an episode compared to other ones. I mean, I think, in my personal opinion, I think people that listen to us agree. Michigan game, Ohio State game, they deserve as much attention as we want to give it, as we think is appropriate. I don't believe in cutting something short if I don't have to. And nothing's stopping us. We don't have ad people knocking on our door yelling at us because we're going too long. Nothing like that's happening. So we're going to talk as much as we think we need to talk about a certain game. And honestly, sometimes we probably don't cover other games, maybe this Indiana game or the Maryland game that we're about to get to as much as we probably should. Um, but that's just, we're going to do what we want to do. And we might play around. I think like the, maybe we could see maybe the pick them episode of the guests going to maybe a different episode at some point, maybe next year. Um, we can have those conversations, but I I'm with Rye seven, seven, two, five here. I mean, Let's flesh these things out. If, if you want a 40-minute, 30-minute episode, there's plenty of Penn State podcasts, whether they're beat reporters or, or fans, um, that can provide that. But we're, we're here to really get comfortable in our seats and, and flesh out these ideas, Sean. Yeah, and, like, this is our thing, guys. We don't write for anything or have anything like that. Or, like Corey said, we don't have an advertiser or a big company that we work for saying, okay, the pod can't be any longer than 45 minutes. So like, and me and Corey don't plan this in advance, like how long we're going to talk. We just talk. And clearly we don't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't have any, there's no script (laughs) that we're not reading off of any teleprompter. We'll have our notes, but we just talk and whatever comes and a lot of times Corey will bring something up and we'll explore it or I'll bring something up and we'll explore it. And that, that's really how it goes. And however long we explore, I mean, could be a few minutes. It could be 10 to 15 minutes on a topic. It all depends on how much we have to say about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's all I have to say about that. Um, I do want to apologize. I haven't been able to put out as much content last week or two. Again, work has been busy just the way it kind of is. Um, but we appreciate you guys nonetheless. Twitter's still doing fantastic. Sean, are you going to the Maryland game? I am not. I'm going to be a hypocrite and stay home, even though I was encouraging people to go. Uh, it Maybe I sound like a wuss, and I want to know from our fans, am I a wuss? Yes. Oh, sorry. I don't want to. I don't. I, I'm done with cold weather games. I don't want to do it anymore. You are way too young to be saying that. I, I. Why would I? I mean, okay. If Penn State was playing for a Big Ten You're title, 55 I'd years old. Go. So you are literally a. I don't want to sit fan. in 40 degree weather. You're, when I could sit on my couch, watch and watch the game on a on a television and be curled up and in tweet. a blanket. You just want to tweet. That's what you really want to do. You just want to. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I get I get to tweet and interact with our fans. I mean, I don't, I don't really want to go to a cold weather game. I mean, does that make me a bad fan? I don't know. But I remember being at the Michigan game last year, and it's real windy and it's just bitter. And I remember thinking to myself, well, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I don't want to be at a cold. I don't want to be at a cold weather game with no stakes. But that's just me. 
I love our I love that most of our fans are a lot tougher than I am and they do this and they do it every week. But I don't know. I, I, I haven't found the gumption to do it. I didn't find the gumption to do it for Maryland. I I think that people on, on YouTube are too nice to you because no, no comments have reeled in yet. I really hope they bash you in the comments for that because that from someone who lives thousands of miles away, not thousands, I guess, or a thousand miles Hundreds, away. Yeah, yeah, about a thousand. Maybe not a thousand, whatever. Far enough away where I'm not going to the game. I would love to be at the game. And so I'm disappointed in you. Um, you were the definition of a fair weather fan. I was just looking at the weather. It's not even supposed to be that bad on Saturday. It's it's going to be like 40 at kickoff. It's at high of, 40, high of 54 is what it's saying. Hold sure. on. Let me see if we're looking make, at the... Let me make sure I'm not. Maybe I'm looking at. Maybe make sure I'm not looking at Alabama's weather. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Saturday. Yeah, 54, 40, yeah. That that that's that's too cold for me. And it's not even supposed to precipitate. That that's an easy one for November. Look, in my I was I was at the Northwestern game, and I stayed that's for true. a whole game. Yeah, that one. That see, that's I understand that because that leaves a bad yeah. taste in your mouth, but. Well, you're not, are you, so what, the Michigan State game is probably leaning like a 30-70 you don't go right now, or what? Yeah, prob- probably not. I mean, although I will say this, we could win the land-grant trophy that night. So maybe maybe that'll incentivize me. And I guess we do have a chance at 10 wins, and usually the tickets are very, very cheap for the last game of the season, so maybe I'll make it appearance. You never know. I'm disappointed in you. When when hopefully next year when I'm moved back to Pennsylvania, um, that's not gonna that shit's not gonna fly. Uh, <laughs> all right, so uh, let's get into let's get th- thank you again, Rye, for the review. I, we went on a tangent. Talk about going on tangents. Uh, we went on a tangent there. Uh, that, that's how we should start because I mean the weather isn't supposed to be bad, so we should see the ball being moved fine. Um, I asked Maddie Fresh. I, I think we are in both agreement that we're probably going to see Sean Clifford start. I don't think there was any questions. Um, let's, let's talk Penn State offense first, not Maryland offense. Um, I don't think there's any questions uh, on the Tuesday press conference about Sean Clifford after all of the questions were asked pretty much about the quarterback the previous week. So I thought that was a pretty funny juxtaposition there. Um, yeah, I I, I – I think Maddie Fresh hit it on the head as far as they're probably going to do the exact same thing they did against Indiana. I mean, I don't see why they wouldn't. It's probably going to get Clifford over not just the school record, but also over 10,000 yards, which I think is important. And if he can do that in a non-cheesy way, I think that's good. And then I'll be curious, hopefully, if they can get to that point when Drew Aller comes into the game again. Um, you're going to hear – I mean, that's one reason to go, Sean. I mean, you, you're going to hear an eruption of – cheers when when that young man gets a chance to enter the game on saturday yeah anytime you see and you know at stadium i was at three games this year the one thing all those games had in common is as soon as sean clifford threw a bad pass you hear put aller in like every time every time he threw one bad pass and the ohio game he played really well you still heard it <laughs> i mean Okay, the Northwestern game and Central Michigan game weren't his best games, but man, oh man. So that's when I really, real. that's when I realized, like, oh, wow, this is in real life, too. It's not just <laughs> restricted to Twitter. Not just um, a Twitter thing? 
no, no. So, but I mean, look, I, I, I do get it. I do. I, I, I kind of get it. I, I don't get wanting to pull your starting quarterback after one bad pass. I guess I don't get that, but I understand there was Clifford fatigue to start the season from, from a lot of fans. Yeah. There was, uh, there was definitely fatigue before the season, season even started. Right. So yeah, I, I, I looks like we're sticking with Cliff and it would be weird. I think to start Clifford against Indiana and then st- start Aller yes. against Maryland for like no reason. Yeah. So th- this is when it would get weird. Like a lot of people, like I heard, um, I-, I believe I heard Mark Brennan say, well, what would the point be of starting Drew Aller for Indiana and not Minnesota and trying to get, get him ready for the Ohio State game? Well, I mean, I think you have to start your best guy, who you think your best guy is for the Ohio State game. And if you can't beat Ohio State, and you have two losses, then it makes sense to then go to your backup quarterback and try to win four very winnable games and get them ready for next year. But at this point in the season, where you just played Sean Clifford, yeah, you bet you better just stick with Clifford now because that's the direction they're going. And I think they, ha- if you're going in that direction, they handled it as good as you could on Saturday. So. Hopefully we see both quarterbacks this week, and that means we'll be up big on Maryland because it would be it would be nice to beat these guys by a sizable margin because that's that's been rare in this series. Usually it's a pretty close game with Maryland. Well, actually, no, I'm I'm kind of lying. In 2017, 2018, 2019, it was not close. But the last two games, the, the 2020 game we lost, and then last year was close. Yeah, last year, I mean, the pick six by Jair Brown made it look better. And Jahan Dotson made it look better. I think Matty Fresh was talking about that game earlier. Yeah, Jahan was a man possessed that night. Yeah, if it wasn't for those two guys, I mean, who knows how that one ends. Um, Ryan Marquette on YouTube says, I'm sick of the 3.30 and night games. He likes the 12 o'clock games, Sean. Hot takes flying in on YouTube. Yeah, I got to disagree with that. I, I think noon games are extremely depressing, honestly. Especially if you're out the night before. And you gotta wait, and and you you're just getting out of bed at ten, and you might you might be a little hungover, and you're still kind of hungover when the kickoff when when it's kickoff time, and I don't know, I I don't like I don't like noon games in general, but that that's just me. Yeah, the I good th- the good thing about them is you do get them out of the way early, and then you can watch football the rest of the day. That is an advantage, but. That's really the only one I could think no, of. No, there was that 2015 season when it was super wet, like every single game. One of the best things ever, I came home from one of those noon wet, I think it might have been Penn State Army, and I like put all my Terrible stuff. Terrible game to be at. Put all my stuff by the heater, got into my dorm. I was living east at the time and didn't leave the rest of the day. Just it was cold and wet outside. I was warm inside my blankets. I think we called Uber Eats or something, or probably not Uber Eats. I guess that would have been Grubhub or something. And, and that's like, that's all we did. And it was like a fan. So yeah, right. but you can get, you can get nice and cozy, especially this time of year. Um, I have these stats up here, Penn State offense versus Maryland defense. Again, you can find these on Twitter. Didn't want to highlight like everything as like we usually do. A lot of the stats are very similar between the two teams, which Maryland hasn't played Ohio state yet. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, though, Penn State's offense scores touchdowns in the red zone 80% of the time, but Maryland's defense in the red zone only allowing touchdowns 52% of the time, which 
I think that was a top 40-ish. So, so not you know going to be easy there. Also very surprised, they are allowing 42% on third down. Penn State's not very good on third down, so I think uh, those things will be kind of interesting. I, I guess, Sean, Maryland's defense not really great, and I think Penn State should be able to throw the ball and run the ball against them. Their, their defensive line isn't anything to write home about either. They're, they're a very mediocre defense. And I guess, Sean, I mean, do you expect kind of a similar game plan to Indiana? Run the ball, intermix the passing game, get the tight ends going over the middle? I mean, it's kind of a balanced attack. Yeah, yeah, that that's pretty much what I'm expecting. Uh, the, the deep shots we were talking about, how they've increased in the past two games, I expect that to continue to increase and take some shots. Yeah, the, the, this defense doesn't look much different to me than it was last season. So, except they don't have Chop Robinson now. So, yeah, keep taking shots, mix in the run, of course. But, yeah, try to really, if it ain't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. In the last three weeks, we've been uh, firing on all, on all cylinders and, Really, I I expect to again this week. Yeah, and I think we just got a subscriber from NTS right now. So thank you to NTS. I just subscribed. It just popped up on my computer. Thank you. Um, yeah. I, and by the way, it's free to subscribe. I don't know if people are new to YouTube. It's 100% free to subscribe. Um, it just helps us out. Um, and I think you have to chat in order to – or and you have to subscribe in order to chat. So – um, anywho, yeah, I, I think so too. I think you're going to see something similar. I think, honestly, Penn State could have played better early against Indiana. That sack on the really only bad play by that offense line was that sack that that Clifford gave up, um, just because some confusion by the guards that kind of stalled that drive. But you could argue um, that game plan was working early, and. Yeah, I, I don't see any reason why you don't go away from that. A heavy dose of Katron. I'd be shocked if Katron Allen doesn't start again. I thought that was the appropriate mix, especially in the first half, as far as letting Katron Allen kind of getting the bulk of the carries, wearing them out, and then you come with the lightning with Nick Singleton after the the defensive line's already kind of been beaten up, beaten up a little bit. So I like that a lot. Um, I don't know that at this point in the season I want to see anything, Sean. I think I'm past the I want to see this, I want to see that. I think we kind of – we are what we are at this point, and that's not a pun with the we are Penn State coming, but uh, we are what we are. And what what that means, I guess if I could want to see anything, Sean, I want to see Sean Clifford not throw an interception in the first quarter because he has thrown four in the last three games. So I guess that to me is something I want to see. Take care of the football because we can say the only reason, you as you said earlier, as far as like, oh, why would they not play Clifford now that he played against Indiana? The only reason would be he keeps turning the ball over. I mean – his numbers are getting close, and he's most likely going to pass his interceptions that he's had in most of his previous years. So he's he's beginning to turn the ball over a little bit more than than he's used to doing in a season, um, and that's just not cool, especially against Indiana, especially against Maryland. Um, you can see right there, they only have 12 takeaways on the year, which is not that much at this point in the season. Again, they still have to play Ohio State. So, um, yeah, take care of the football, I guess. This doesn't look like it's going to be a bad weather game. There's really no excuse. Don't, especially don't turn the ball over in the first quarter. Like, let's get out of that, please. Yeah, yeah, because those early interceptions kind of put a, I mean, not a damper, but you just 
you get bad vibes from early interceptions. Like, oh, is this an omen of things to come? The Minnesota game, the Ohio State game, and the Indiana game. It's just not a way to get off on the right foot, obviously. And yeah, it could really, and it could set the tone. It could definitely set the tone for the rest of the game. And Maryland really, they're nothing special on defense. I don't think they're anything special really as a team. And their passing attack is pretty good most of the time, not not the past few weeks, but we know what they're capable of. They could be an explosive team. Uh, but this defense, we should be able to attack and we should be able to take care of the ball. And we got to, I don't know, like for a six-year senior, Cliff, he, he just, he's just been messing up way too much. And it grinds my gears. That's all I can say. Yeah, I mean... I hate throwing around that, right on that six-year senior thing, but yeah, the the interception against Indiana was was pretty bad. As far as just kind of, I mean, it was it was a it was a spot read concept, and I mean, it was obvious where he should have thrown the ball, and he it was predetermined, and that's not a predetermined play. So, yeah, we got to fix that. I up. was I was just reading the title up the title of the episode. <sighs> yeah, well, let's talk let's talk about Maryland offense. Uh, Penn State defense. That, uh, that graphic should update. Oh, there it goes. Um, let's flip it around a little bit. Uh, I want to talk red zone touchdowns again because Maryland very good on offense scoring touchdowns 81% of the time. I think that's actually, you know, just a smidgen better than Penn State. I think they're like third or fourth in the country. So they're, they're really good at scoring when they get in the red zone touchdowns. But then Penn State, obviously 41%, doing a fantastic job of keeping teams out of the end zone. So I think that's a big storyline in this one. And um, and Maryland's not getting, turning the ball over that much. Only nine giveaways on the year. Penn State at 17 takeaways. They're at 21 last year. So uh, I think we said that, you know, they're getting close and, and they're probably going to pass last year's total sooner than rather than later. So that should be interesting. They're, they're actually running the ball pretty well, which is better than I thought. Roman Hemby is a freshman running back. Uh, he, he's good. 121 rushes for 747 yards. He has seven touchdowns, probably not going to get any sort of freshman honors in the big 10 because of what Catron Allen and Nick Singleton are doing. But this guy is pretty good for a freshman tailback and, um, Littleton behind him. He's, he's been around for a while too. He's pretty solid as well. So, and he has six touchdowns. So Penn state, Nick Singleton, Catron Allen, they're combined for 16 touchdowns right now. They're both tied with, uh, Noah Kane for the single season freshman record for touchdowns with eight. They have 16. Hemby and Littleton combined for 13. So they're not too far behind, but they're not getting nearly as much love. So although this Maryland team does like to throw the ball, and they do, they got Rakeem Jarrett, they got Dante Demas Jr. Um, and obviously Talia Tagovailoa has been around almost as long as Sean Clifford's been there. So um, what I'm saying is they got some weapons on offense. And I guess this is the Maryland homer coming out of me out of nowhere, but they they will probably move the ball. And I guess my concern, Sean, is the tempo, which we've talked about ad nauseum last week, and then also Talia Tagovailoa. Is he 100%? Is he going to be a threat with his legs? Because let's face it, Penn State has not done it. I mean, Jack Tuttle, Jack Tuttle was making plays with his legs. If Talia Tagovailoa is 100%, that is it. And let's let's keep an eye that last year he got banged up 
in the Penn State game. And so if he's 100%, I think this defense could struggle to contain him and then therefore struggle to contain Maryland offense. One thing Talia has on two is his athleticism. Two is a decent athlete, pretty good athlete. Talia could really run. And he could he could make you and he could make you miss. Um, the thing with Talia Tungavailoa that I've observed that I observed last year and this year against Michigan is against superior defenses tends to turn the ball over, and he becomes Talia turn the ball over. And like this year, he had two interceptions against Michigan. He had another one last week against Wisconsin. Uh, he had the big pick six against us against Penn State last year, and this Penn State secondary, we know how good they could be, and we know how good they are at forcing turnovers. So, if Talia could not turn the ball over, then yeah, I think Maryland could be right in this game because they could because they have the potential to be able to score with Penn State. And while I do have reservations about their defense, their offense is pretty good. It, it, like you said, Hemby could run the ball. So they, they, then Maryland typically had struggled running the ball, and they've mainly in the Mike Loxley era been very dependent on the passing attack. And and they they still are to a degree. They're still definitely a pass first team, but especially with the with the receivers and in a good quarterback. But now that they can run the ball, I mean that's going that's definitely going to be beneficial for them. So Penn State's. Penn State's going to have to score some points because this isn't a team that you really beat 14 to 10. Um, got distracted there. I saw on Twitter that the great Lamont Wade has signed with the USFL team in Tampa Bay, the Bandits. So Lamont Wade, um, hashtag PSU in CSFL. So there you go. I didn't know where he Congratulations. was. Congratulations. Lamont Wade heading to the CSFL. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think that's exactly what you said. And I don't need to reiterate everything, but the turnovers is something Maryland has struggled with against Penn State. And if they if they can take care of the football, they do a pretty decent job. But to be honest with you, Sean, I don't think Talia Tagovailoa is 100%, which is a damn shame because I really think he's never going to get out of the shadow of Tua, whatever, that's fine. But I think he really is a good quarterback. And as far as Maryland standards goes, <laughs> He's he's done a fantastic job for them, and he and to be fair, he has really not had a chance to be healthy for for a very long time. And then when even when he was healthy, some of the guys around him weren't healthy. So he's he's gotten a little bit of a short stick uh, you know, as far as as what's been dealt to him, and that's just kind of the way it is sometimes. I mean, a lot of people at Penn State can say that it's, that's happened quite a bit here. So. Yeah, I, I think the receivers are good. I think the receivers, I said this in the summer, I think the receiving core was like a top two unit in the Big Ten coming in. I don't know if they would still put them top two now at this point in the season, but they're still really good. Rakeem Jarrett, I mean, I think Franklin even said the press conference, he's a guy they really wanted. Like this, I think he was a five-star guy, if not a high four-star guy. Um, Dante Dimas Jr., highly recruited guy. So they And Copeland, I think, is what was the guy from Florida. Um, so they have some talented players. They're going to make the secondary work. And if they can stay balanced, Sean, I am a little bit nervous about this one. So, um, But the turnovers, I think the turnovers could be the demise. Um, yeah, 
that I think that's an important part to it. And and again, Penn State blitzes a lot. Are they going to be able to protect the middle part of the field, not just in the throwing lanes? We've seen a lot of people just hang out wide open there. But also, are they going to be able to prevent Talia Tagovailoa from stepping up, picking up a scramble here and there to move the change? So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you, Sean. Yeah, got to force turnovers. Got to keep, um, got to keep Tagovailoa in the pocket and limit the run game in general, and just kind of make Tagovailoa beat you. And I think if you do that, and while I do respect him, I think you're going to be able to create turnovers. I really do. But yeah, definitely you can't have you can't have Maryland running with a balanced attack because that that could spell bad news for this Penn State defense. Yeah, yep, I agree. Um, let's get into the fan questions. Let's let's just do it. Uh, we got I think we got four questions today. So let's let's do I think this is a good one. Um we'll wait till it pops up and then we'll we'll start the the recording here for it. Oh, that popped up fast. Look at that. Okay, fan question time. This one comes from Randy Seeley. At this point in the season, who are the team's MVPs? One on offense and one on defense. Uh, his second part of the question, and we'll run back at over 100 yards in the game on Saturday. There's another question that we'll answer fourth that pertains to that. So we'll answer that a little bit later. Um, Sean, offensive MVP, and then I'll give you my offensive MVP. And then we, and well, Okay, I'm just going to spoil. Offensive MVP, you're going to say Katron Allen, and I'm going to agree with you, but why? I am not. You're not saying Katron Allen. Okay, I'm saying Katron Allen. I understand why. Um, go but, ahead. No, that's all I got to say. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> he's, he's been exactly what they needed yep. in the run game, and the run game is the reason why they've been able to play consistent, even yep. against maybe some lesser opponents. So, yes, yep. he's been the glue to the offense, in my opinion. Okay. Well, you're right. We have been able to run the ball better, and we've been able to protect Sean Clifford better. Olufashino. He's been really the cornerstone of the offensive line, and this is a much improved offensive line. And it's really, and we haven't had an offensive tackle like Olu since Levi Brown. And that's a long time ago. So, and we've had some decent tackles since Levi, but nobody on Olu's level. So I would say Olu Fashionu, especially considering the difference in the offensive line this year. Although, I mean, you could say that they looked really good against Indiana without him. But I, I don't, I think against Ohio State, that's a much, much different game if we don't have Olu on, on, on the left side protecting Sean Clifford's blind side. Yeah, I mean, we saw what Bryce Effner did when he had to come in. We saw what Jimmy Chris did when he had to come. No disrespect to them, but that's a that's a that's a different world out there at that point. Uh, Sean, defensive MVP, what you got? Um, I'm gonna go with Joey Porter Jr. He he could take away half the field, and that's extremely valuable. I would like, I I would kind of like him not to be the MVP in a way, and. and be a pass rusher because I would rather my MVP be closer to the ball every play, but being able to just take away a whole side of the field is extremely valuable and it helps your whole secondary out. So I would say JPJ. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I guess I'm gonna go with the obvious pick again. I'm gonna go Jair Brown. I, I don't know how you don't go with him. 
three interceptions, two sacks now in the year. He didn't have a sack coming into the season. He's got two now. The sack against Indiana was bone crushing. He's been asked to play in the box a lot more, and he's he's done a honestly a better job tackling than I thought he was going to do. Wasn't expecting to be on like the Jaquan Brisker level of tackling, but he's come up and made plays. We've seen him play defensive end and get tackle for losses. So they have many ideas has put him in a lot of different positions. He's been uh, shown to be very versatile. And then at the end of the day, he can still ball hawk and make plays in the back end. So um, I don't really want to imagine what this defense is. I mean, I get it. Zaki Wheatley, Keaton Ellis, those guys are good. Jalen Reed, those guys are good. I don't really know where those young guys would be at without Jair Brown, too. So I, I'm going to say Brown. I think, and, and, and maybe it's just the turnovers part of it. I think the turnovers is a big part of it. And I get it. Joey Porter Jr. doesn't get the same amount of opportunities. Um, but I, I, he's been the game changer on defense, especially considering how weak the linebackers have been. So, yeah, I, I go with Jair yeah. Brown there. Not going to argue. It's it's a close race, but I totally understand that pick. Yep, let's uh, let's go to this next question again. It should pop up on the screen for you guys in a second. This one's out of left field a little bit. But this is from Mister 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 Mister. Um, I say that every time. Maybe I should get that as a sound button. Um, we need us. We need a soundboard next year. I mean, that's top of list. Top of the list. Yeah. Well, we're talking about those advertisers. We get those advertisers coming in, then we can get ourselves a soundboard. Um, he says, we haven't heard anything in a while concerning Beaver Stadium renovations with the, with, what does that say? With Ow. AI? With AI? I think it meant Robert Kraft, but I'm not sure where AI came from. Um, the new athletic director. Well, Robert is there, Kraft isn't the athletic director. I mean, Jesus, Lord. <laughs> Oh my lord. Robert Robert Kraft is the owner of the Patriots and also into some kind of weird things. Look it up. <laughs> I knew as soon as I said that you were gonna say that. <laughs> you know I, I don't even know why I mean I know why it was in my head, but I, I don't understand why Patrick Kraft turned into Robert Kraft <laughs> that easily. I don't like Robert Kraft should never be in the top of my head. Um <laughs> Patrick Kraft. I, I don't know why the AI turned into that. Anyway, Patrick Kraft, the new athletic director, is there. Any news on the master plan? Um, I am going to try to get more information for you on this, Mr. Mr. in the offseason when we have a lot more time to dive deeper into this. However, that master plan that was brought out, I guess that was, I, we were still in school. So like a while ago, eight years yeah. ago now, 10 years ago. For all intents and purposes, I think you can consider that plan dead. I think maybe Audrey Snyder had an article about it this summer. Basically, that isn't – I mean, they got a lot of things done on that master plan, right? They got the excellence building done. They did renovations at Jeffrey Field. They did – I think they did an auditorium. I, they did a lot of other things, and I couldn't even tell you all the stuff they did get done. Um, however – that plan for Beaver Stadium specifically, I don't think is still the plan moving forward. I think they're reevaluating everything. Uh, they sent out some stuff this past summer, like, would you rather see a renovation? Would you rather see a new one be built? I think most people are in the camp of trying to renovate Beaver Stadium. I don't want to go down that road, Sean, as far as like the opinions of that. I think that's a good off-season conversation. Dare I use the word off-season? Um, 
which by the way we're, we'll still be recording and after the end of the bowl game every uh, week yep but uh so i don't want to go down that road but yes to answer your question i don't think that master plan's still the plan and i don't really i would be shocked if anything is renovated or done before the end of the 2020s to be honest with you at this point hmm that's well, a long it's time to not do anything well think about it you got to make the plans and then you got to fundraise yeah, the plans true. and then you got to yeah. figure out when you're going to do it and then you got to break ground or whatever the case may be yeah. and and you can't do it obviously during the season and you got to figure out where penn state would play during the season yeah. if you do decide to renovate can you renovate one half of it at a time yeah Okay, yeah. Yeah, you're I'll, probably right. I'll retract it a little bit and say there's no way they're done before 2030. How about that? Yeah, because, I, I mean, I think you could do some things. I mean, so to answer the question, yeah, I mean, I haven't heard anything. I think I think the master plan, I remember being in my dorm reading about it and seeing the pictures. And, I mean, it looked cool. But I think it was – Sandy trotting something out before she had any idea how much funding she had and how much how much financial support she would have. And it was it was just an idea and it probably shouldn't have went public like it did because then people, yeah, start asking seven, eight years later, where why aren't we doing anything with the stadium? And have there been like some Miners, you know, there's been some stuff around campus done because it was a whole encompassing plan. But yeah, the experience at Beaver Stadium really hasn't changed. I could see before this decade is out, maybe they fix the press boxes, which again, fans aren't going to care at all about. But we have the worst press comp, we have the worst press boxes in the Big Ten, according to reporters. Um, Maybe they do some things with some bathrooms. Maybe they put some new ones in. But as far as like the big thing was enclosing the stadium, I think you probably have to wait for that or making every getting rid of the bleachers, except in the student section and making every chair an actual seat. I think that's probably something you have to wait for a while for. Yeah, I think just to put my two cents on it real quick, I think a if you're not putting seats in everywhere, you're making a mistake at this point. Me too. Me you got too. A, you got a student section. Okay, that's different, but everywhere else needs to have seats. Um, people are paying a lot of money for Penn State tickets to not have yep. seats. And I think you'll keep more people in their seats if they have a seat instead of a bleacher when it gets cold. So keep that in mind. Um, like me. Yes, like Sean. And then finally, if you're gonna build a new one, which I don't think they're going to, but if they decided to build a new one. I really would would struggle with the fact that they're going to build another stadium and not have some sort of roof capability to it. I just I, I don't think it's going to happen, but I would just struggle with if you're going to build a stadium. That's the so weather, expensive, though. It is expensive, but you're going to do it. You're going to do it the right way. And I think Sandy, when she brought up that whole plan, I think it was made public to try to increase the fundraising for it. But if you're going to do it, do it right. Because you only got one shot at it. And I, I, I just think with the way that we prefer to have our real grass as well, if you want to keep the real grass, I really think you got you to gotta put a, some retractable roof over it. Because let's be honest, the grass can get bad by, by this time in November. I mean, people are tripping and slipping and sliding before the season's kind of done. So 
if we're going to do it, let's do it right. But um, but I guess I know I got the last word there, Sean, but let's table that discussion. Um, I'll give you 30 seconds to wrap up anything you want to add to that. Yeah, I mean, the whole idea of a new stadium, I think, is risky. And I think a lot of fans would like it. A lot of fans would hate it. I mean, I got to be honest, I'd be probably be excited to, to see a new stadium, but I would I would be excited walking in. But if you ask me right now, I wouldn't want a new stadium because take it as take it from a Yankee fan. It is very, very hard to recreate that magic at a new place. And it sounds weird because all the same fans would be there. But it just doesn't feel the same. You don't feel the history. You don't feel the. You don't feel the tradition quite the same way in a new stadium. It's it's just a very hard thing to transfer. So I would be very cautious building a new stadium. All right. Well, there you have it. You know, I think that's another conversation again. For, yeah, we could do a whole episode on Beaver Stadium if we want. Yeah, we could to. run through all these different ones. Um, this is a question I like. Lucas Powers, by the way, a huge supporter of us, always kind of fighting the good fight on Twitter. And um, he says, are we worried about potentially overhyping setting expectations too high for Drew Aller? Everyone's going to know where I'm at on this because I think I've already said some of it. Yeah, I'm worried about it. I mean, I get it. He's a five-star guy. There's a certain level of expectation you get with a five-star guy. But we've also said not every five-star quarterback is Trevor Lawrence. Not every five-star quarterback is, I don't even know, Bryce Young. Um, And you can still be a really good quarterback, just not be that level of elite. So I guess my my thing is there should be expectations for him to be obviously better than Sean Clifford, which just him being better than Sean Clifford is probably going to most likely win you 10 to 11 games with everything else being okay. I, I get scared, Sean, when you start to, when Penn state fans, I know they're going to get to this pretty soon if they're not there already, because we've seen some of the tweets. Um, I get scared when people start talking about him being, you know, Heisman, when people start talking about first round draft or number one overall draft pick, when we haven't even seen him start a football game yet. That's to me when you're like, okay, you're, you you've kind of gone too far in the expectations in my opinion i at the end of the day he's not a five-star quarterback anymore he's a freshman quarterback trying to figure it out and he hasn't started a game yet we're in agreement so once upon a time penn state had a quarterback who was the number one quarterback out of high school name was christian hackenberg and christian hackenberg had his moments his freshman year some good moments. And his sophomore year came. Would argue some great moments. Some great moments, yeah. Um, he beat a mediocre Michigan team. Um, fun game, but let's be real. And then his sophomore year came, and expectations were sky high. Sky high. And it was Hack is going to be the number one pick. Hack could lead us to well we were still kind under sanctions so i think people had more tempered expectations for that team as a whole but there were everybody was just so high on hack going into the sophomore year and then he struggled the sophomore year and this fan base turned on him like that 
And it's because partly now he also just generally wasn't very good his sophomore year because our expectations were so high. And we were like, why isn't he doing the thing and leading us to big things? And part of it is people like Trent Dilfer were saying he's, he could be the number, he'd be the number one overall pick if he came out as a freshman. And that's way too much to put on a fre- to, to put on a true freshman, especially a true freshman that doesn't have any great moments <laughs> as, as, a, as a true freshman. Drew Aller has barely played. And I'm very excited about Drew. I, we've been very clear about this. I'm very excited about him. But I think we have to catch our breath a little bit and see what happens. And just kind of forget about the whole idea of, ooh, this is a five-star guy. And just evaluate what we see on the field. And so far, what we've seen is very promising. There are a lot of very promising moments with Hackenberg. A lot more than we've seen with with Drew Aller. Yeah, I think you summed it up pretty well there. I th- I'm a little surprised we're on the same page there. I thought you were going to go down a little bit more of a, he's a five-star guy, baby, let's see it. Roll them dice. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm excited. I've been excited, but I've seen those tweets too, and they remind me of what I heard about Hack after his freshman year. And I didn't think it was fair at the time for the Hackenberg stuff, and I certainly don't think it now. Thankfully, Drew Aller will have a better offensive line than what Hackenberg had in 2015. That's that's for damn sure. He has way more help than Hack had. Definitely. Uh, This is from J-Mart. PSU Natty 2024. Talk about expectations. <laughs> um, will we have two 100-plus yard rushers this weekend? So I told you, Randy Seeley, we're going to get back to that second part of your question. Two 100-yard rushers this weekend versus Maryland. Wisconsin had 275 on them, and Blake Corum had 243. Sean? Not two. I think we have one, though. I think both backs are going to play well. I'll I'll say this. Maybe Singleton is the one that goes over 100 because Singleton is he's picked it up a little bit the last couple of weeks, but Allen's still been the guy. Maybe this is the week that Nick Singleton gets one of those long runs that he's been missing out. Well, he did have one against Minnesota, um, but they haven't been as quite as frequent as they've been early in the early part of the season. So I'm, I'm expecting a home run ball from Nick Singleton this week. I thought if you take out the Auburn game, I thought Nick Singleton played one of his better games against Indiana. The way he was able to run a little bit more. I agree. Yeah, I was I was impressed. I, you, can, you could argue Minnesota, and I, I think you could probably make that argument. But otherwise, I, I thought it was very impressive, Nick Singleton. I think they're kind of they're uh, they're wearing off on each other a little bit, which is which is kind of cool to see too. So, um, but yeah, I agree. I think Penn State two one hundred yard rushers. I just I mean, let's see if Kevon Lee's healthy. If Kevon Lee's healthy, I think you don't see two 100-yard rushers, to be honest with you. If if Kevon Lee still can't go, maybe out of default. But I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not putting money on that. Uh, J Mart, not not putting money on that one. But but thank you for the question. I do think one gets over 100 yards to answer Randy Seeley's question specifically. Um, but I probably would, if I had to be safe about it, I'd still say it's Katron Allen. But wouldn't be shocked um, if Singleton does break one, like you said. 
Thank you for the fan questions. Again, you can drop your fan questions. Tweet us at Hardcore PSUFB. You can DM us if you want to DM us some. And then, of course, you can message us on Facebook. We've had a couple of people. I think Tyler messaged us before on, on Facebook with his questions. So uh, keep them coming. We really appreciate them. Um, and we will obviously keep doing more as the season progresses. Okay. I think we're for time, Sean. Yeah, I think it's prediction time. I think it is prediction time. Uh, oh, I, you know, I didn't read Mr. Mister's. Um, he had a question. He had a bold prediction. I want to read off real quick. He mm-hmm. said, uh, "Singleton and Allen both go for at least 120 yards rushing and two touchdowns <laughs> each." So there you go. Everyone's on the rushing for a lot of yards. Two stuff. touchdowns each. Wow, that's even yeah. bolder. Well, I mean, they've. I mean, Kachon had three last week, and and the Minnesota game. I don't even don't know how. Uh, yeah. Nick Singleton had two, and Allen had one, right? So, yeah, two guys with multiple touchdowns. That's that's pretty bold. It's bold. It's bold. Um. Okay, let me think here, Sean. Ohio State, I picked first, and then so you must have had Indiana. So I get to pick first again, right? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. I I think I think last week I, I picked Drew Aller to throw a touchdown pass in the bold prediction, by the way, so I nailed that one. Um was your bold prediction, Sean, that it was a tie game at half in the Indiana game? Was that what you I think I wrote that down here. No, I predicted a twenty eight seven game at halftime. Or twenty four seven game at halftime. Oh look, that's what happened. I'm, I'm just kidding. I predicted a tie game. I, I literally wrote that down. I'm like, why yeah, did I, I write did. that down? I did. I did. I did. Now you missed on that one. I didn't even mean to call a you. A little out. bit. A little bit. I missed a little. I, I honestly didn't mean to call you. I like, I just saw that was written down on my my notes, and I was like, did he really say that? In hindsight, that yeah. I, I felt like I just called you out. I didn't even mean to. I mean, I probably no, still would a- anyway. But um, <laughs> I thought Drew uh, had a start, and he didn't. So I mean, I now, he got the touchdown pass, but. Um, Anyway, I just wanted to say that bold prediction wise, I finally got one. So that was that was nice to see. I guess I'll flip it over to my screen here as we get into these. Yeah. Uh, okay. Prediction time. Last week, I, I guess I undervalued Penn State a little bit. I, I think I went conservative, even though I picked Penn State to win pretty comfortably. So now Penn State's at home. Maryland didn't. Their starting quarterback, Talia Tagovailoa, didn't even throw for 100 yards last week against Wisconsin. They lost 23 to 10, I think, roughly. Um, didn't look very good. Didn't yep. look very good. And uh, I love this Maryland team. Been high on them since the summer as far as their offensive capability. I think they can score with a lot of teams in the country that a lot of other teams can't if they can take care of the football. And that has been something that they – Usually do well against the good teams, but struggle to against the bad teams, like Sean mentioned earlier. They're on the road against a Manny Diaz defense that has a bunch of confidence that just had 16 TFLs against Indiana, which was a which was a tie for a school record. The defensive ends, the defensive tackles are probably playing with the most confidence they ever had. There are four players. Uh, that are going to contribute on that defensive end, defensive line that are from Maryland, Chop, Denai Dana Sutton, Devon Ellis, Izzard, I believe as well. 
Um, they're they're just full of Maryland guys that are, are I think, ready to get after the quarterback. And I don't think Talia Tagovailoa is one hundred percent. So you you put all that together. I I think Maryland does turn the ball over a decent amount, and I think because of that, if there was any sort of concern on the Penn State offense not scoring points, I think a short field or two gets gets the ball rolling. If if for every reason Sean Clifford has a slow start yet again, which if you're putting money, I guess you'd say he probably does have a slow start. So, Maddie Fresh went 38-17. I, I, I'm going to stick with what I what I originally had. I'm going to go 31-14 Penn State wins. Could totally see this one getting 35-14. Could totally see it being 34-24, to be honest with you. Uh, but, I, but I'm going to – and then that would mean – Maryland takes care of the football a little bit better. I, I'm going to go Penn State wins 31-14, and I'm going to have Chop Robinson forces a fumble on, as my bold prediction, Sean. So let me swing it on over to you, and the floor is yours. Yeah, so Maryland, hashtag fear the turtle. Penn State's not going to be fearing the turtle this week. Maryland has a history. Of starting fast and people going, oh, see Maryland this year, look pretty good there. They might be able to compete a little bit. And then they hit the meat of the schedule. The Leafs start to fall off the trees, and all of a sudden Maryland hits a wall, and they hit the wall, and then they run back into the wall. And last week you saw a Maryland game. They lost 23-10 to a so-so Wisconsin team. And I think they're going to get beat again this week. They could score, but they're also capable of turning the ball over. And I like their offense. I actually do. And, you know, I, I make fun of Maryland a lot on here. And full disclosure, if you play a bad game against them, they could beat you, and they probably will beat you. But I don't think we will. I love the way we're playing right now. And the offense has found its groove. Defense just played their best game of the season, albeit against a very, 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 very bad Indiana opponent. But they seem to be playing with some confidence. Hopefully Curtis Jacobs plays. If Curtis Jacobs doesn't play, this could be a game where we could really use him in pass coverage and everything that he does for us. But assuming he plays... Yeah, I mean, I think Penn State wins this game handedly. And I have Penn State winning 41-21, but 21 point, it's 41-14 most of the game. Maryland scores a late touchdown. So 41-21 Penn State. Uh, Bull prediction, bull prediction. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. gets his first interception this season. Wow, you're, you're did Joey Porter talk to you? They say he wanted you. Uh, I mean, you were all over Joe, Joey Porter today. Gonna be the first first round draft pick in Penn, first cornerback first round draft pick. That's tongue twister in Penn State history. You have forty one twenty one. Matty Fresh is thirty eight seventeen. I have Penn State thirty one fourteen. I almost feel like I should throw a field goal or something on there. You think I'm going too low there? I mean, do do what you think. Jake Pinnaker's been hot. I'm predicting 
kicks two field goals for us. So I'm, I'm gonna say at 31 14 because if I change it now, then it's then it's gonna be 31 14 probably. Right, go with your gut. I wanted to say just uh add to the fire that since we've been since we've been talking about it, um Sean Clifford and Penn State, when Sean Clifford starts, 17 and 0 now when he throws under 30 passes, only through 23 against Indiana. I wanted to mention that. So it's gonna be 18 Saturday. We'll record one more time for Twitter. Make sure you drop your predictions below. Okay, Twitter. Drop your predictions below. Can't guess the same as somebody else. Have to be following the win. If you guess it correctly, we will give you a sticker. Maddie Fresh went 38-17. Sean went 41-21. And I went 31-14. Yeah. I appreciate everyone listening, like always. I mean, the little bit, little, I, we're gonna be transparent, a little bit dip in the numbers, but I think that's because the people lost a little bit of the the mojo with with what um what transpired against Ohio State. But the numbers are still way up from before the summer, obviously. And we're, we're grooving. We're grooving really well right now. So we appreciate you guys. The numbers on YouTube have been awesome. And, of course, you guys have been all over Twitter. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much for subscribing, whether it's on the podcast, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's following us on Twitter. You guys have been fantastic. Um, I wish I had a surprise for you as far as merchandise stuff goes, but that has hit a little bit of a roadblock. We're trying to trying to work that out still. Not a roadblock. Just kind of been stuck in glue a little bit. Um, but hopefully that gets taken care of sooner. Honestly, I'm not going to say that. I think things will get better in the next couple months. I guess I'll just say that and leave it at that. But I don't know for sure. Anyway. Um, Interesting. If you got this far, in the, this far in the episode, please drop a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll send you a sticker and read it on the show. That's all I have, Sean. That's all I got, too. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. It's been a blast. It's been fun. Hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. Have a fantastic weekend. For those of you going to the game, thank you. Everyone tell Sean to suck it for being a wuss. And we will catch you next time on Hardcore Penn State Football. For Sean Kane, I'm Corey Listoki. See you later. I'll be on my couch. See you guys.